Volume 5, Issue 206, Sunset Overdrive. Volume 5, our next five games in the series is Street Fighter Zero, the Alpha series, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, DSX, Catherine. Darren, you're going to have to tell me how this is working out as you're on the Doom shows, but Doom, Doom 2, Heaven on Earth, and Final Doom, <laughs> that's one hell of a show. <laughs> yep, and there's even more Doom than those Dooms. Okay. Well, like that, Doom. is, that is the start of the Doom, <laughs> the Doom series that we're running on games. We're doomed. Uh, indeed. Uh, you can head to canerince.com for article features, reviews, and links to our forum, Facebook page, and YouTube channel. We now have a Patreon. Uh, but just a reminder, there will be no content hidden behind paywalls. If you do not wish to contribute or aren't able to, everything that we create and produce will still be free and available to you. So if you feel that the hundreds of hours of podcasts that we have put together out there are worth some of your financial return, you can now donate at least $1 or more, if you wish, per month to help us keep doing what we're doing. If you prefer to get something more physical in return for your money, check out the shop where you can support the podcast by purchasing good quality cane and rinse t-shirts and bags. Each purchase nets us a couple of quid. And I do have a t-shirt and I keep wearing it and it still hasn't faded, which is a sign <laughs> actually of a good good manufacturer because I've got sure, some yeah. that look terrible. In fact, the best one I still have is a wet t-shirt that I got on an event and that didn't fade at all. <laughs> Not even by that. Anyway, off point. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please check out uh, our music video game podcast, Sound of Play. It's rather very good and a great listen if you're on a train or a bus, etc. And remember to review, rate and subscribe to both our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher Radio or TuneIn or any of the multiple places that you crazy Android kids get your stuff nowadays. <laughs> Joining me, Tony Atkins, in this issue, we have... Mr. Darren Gargett, or newly wed Mr. Darren Gargett. <laughs> yes, I've got a ring on the finger. Hi. Should have put a <laughs> ring on it. Um, Carl Moon. Hey, guys. And the American representative of the show, Sean O'Brien. <laughs> hello, hello. So, Sunset Overdrive. Uh, just a quick overview of the game before we get talking about our histories. It was developed by Insomniac Games, the brains behind Spyro Dragon, the Ratchet and Clank series, and the Resistance series. Oh, and the much maligned Fuse. Published by Microsoft Game Studios, the directors was Marcus Smith, who was, I guess, the lead director on Resistance 1 to 3, and Drew Murray, uh, Ratchet and Clank, Tools of Destructions, and also uh, on the Resistance one to three written by john perpet um also uh, the writer resistance three medal of honor and medal of honor airborne with a slight departure but okay um <laughs> released on october the 28th 2014 
uh, as an Xbox One exclusive, primarily because Microsoft were uh, or allowed in some of the games to retain the ownership of the IP, where other companies seem to be quite stuck on that point. Um, the game reviewed pretty well, I would say, mm-hmm. um, on game mm-hmm. rankings. It got a hefty 83%, which is pretty damn fine. Um, its sales figures are a weird beast to track because... One, it's an Xbox One exclusive, so naturally they're going to be lower. It came out at a time when the console had only been out for a short period of time. Um, Seemingly, it's sold around one million physical copies, which could be Mm. classed as a failure in some areas. Um, Who knows? knows? (laughs) But it it was also bundled with the white Xbox console. Um, So once again, how many of those consoles did they sell? How many of those games were in that how many people care to even play the game that was in their white console mm, yeah. i personally brought a white console um not for sunset overdrive because i already owned a copy of that uh, through digital means but um so i sold that on to a friend of mine but uh, i did like the white console that was very sexy and that's my still my main one um yeah so let's talk about our histories me personally, I was somewhat excited for this game. <laughs> um, it's an odd beast, you know. When you own a console, or you know, one of the two, obviously, I owned a PlayStation Four as well. But you're looking for new games to play on it. Um, mm. It being an Xbox One Sunset Underdrive, being it an Xbox One exclusive, obviously meant that it was being pimped quite heavily by its platform holder. So, fairly interested to see uh, what it was all about. Um, my history with um, in some of that games is a bit varied. I've played some Ratchet and Clank games, um, mainly the Cracking Time, which was we recovered for this uh, on Kane and Rinse um, way back when. Um, I played some Resistance and a little bit of Spyro. So a scattering. I like the development house. I wouldn't say I love them, but I I like their their kind of bright and you know, energetic style. So that had me. Uh, interested i also got to play the game at um oh now what do we call it Eurogamer in the uk um in one of the booths and had a go of the chaos mode uh, with four or five other people uh, which was good fun if not confusing at the time um and like i say i picked up the game day one i'll let Carl probably talk how we ended up purchasing this game through weird means of the Microsoft store. Got a digital copy, paid full, full price with the season pass, etc. So I have had the chance to play all the DLC, which we'll talk about later. So, Darren, yourself? Yeah, so I saw the uh, reveal trailer E3 uh, 2014 or 13, I don't know now. And I thought the game looked incredible. But like most things at E3, you, you know, you shouldn't <laughs> get too excited because it probably won't come true. And I just thought, you know what, this game, it, it's got a really good uh, reveal trailer, like with him grinding and sliding on the uh, the wires and just how it looked. I thought the game's never going to be... That, that trailer's actually quite funny. Is that the one where it opens with the, the guy firing a, like a, just an automatic rifle down at the crowd yeah. below and yeah. <laughs> hiding behind a box and he bursts through the door, the main character bursts through the door and basically just says, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I never believed the game was going to be that fun to look at or play. I just assumed it was going to be, uh, you know, published <laughs> in a downward spiral, much like Fuse, because my, my back was up after that, uh, you know. And I thought, you know what, the game's not going to be that, but let's keep an eye on it. And, you know, it, it, the more I look at it, the more I'll, um, you know, uh, think about buying it. And it came to release, uh, well, close to release, and that's pretty much when I went out and bought my Xbox One with um, 
some other games, Forza Horizon 2 and something else. So I pretty much bought an Xbox for this and Halo Master Chief Collection. And yeah, so by this point I was I was really excited. Um, <clears throat> did a bit of scouting online first because I, I like to I like a bargain. Um, I somehow or some I don't know how I did it now, but I I went to a different country store. I think it was Colombia or something or Brazil, and I ended up getting it for like twenty quid through the marketplace on there. Uh, just changed my location on the console, and it just popped up at a different price. I thought, you know what, I download that digitally and um, you know get it for half the price. <laughs> but you know. If and you wonder why sales figures are hard to track. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is a yeah, it's um, it is a weird one to it, yeah. I've never really done that for a game before, um, and I don't know if they've made it harder since. But yeah, I definitely remember going to a different country's marketplace and buying it for half the price. Right, you and, are you're making Microsoft smile when you say you brought a console for this game. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, I'm a big fan of Ratchet and Clank, and I know the series is you know very samey throughout with you know its highs and lows. But I do really enjoy that style of gameplay. And when I saw that Insomniac were making a, a brand new you know IP, um, I, and I, I know the fact that they love their gunplay more than anything else. I thought, you know what, this is this is going to be something special, or at least I hoped it was going to be something special with um, you know their style of combat. And so yeah, yeah, I, I literally bought a console for this game and uh, the Master Chief Collection. Car? Yeah, much like Darren, uh, I saw the original trailer and I was a little bit intrigued. But I, it, it's it's weird because Insomniac Games are a studio and a development house that I really appreciate. Um, as someone, you know, I went through my background is in you know games design and and three D modeling and the art side of things. And as an artist's studio, they're fascinating. Their work always looks interesting. It always looks beautiful. Um, but my issue has always been with how they're played. I am not a fan of the Ratchet and Clank games. I don't enjoy playing them. You know, uh, Spyro the Dragon was good, but it wasn't even the best at its time. And then Resistance was a really good multiplayer game where I didn't enjoy the single-player campaign. So there was always that big question mark over them. Uh, but this trailer was really interesting and again much like darren i didn't think it would look to the standard that we saw uh you, you see it time and time again games um end up looking worse and worse and then eventually i, I do believe it was probably a year later and we saw uh, ted price playing it live on stage and it looked pretty much the same as as the pre-release screenshots and videos that we'd seen and and he said no this is the product's pretty much finished this is what it's going to look like and play like and i thought that that was quite fascinating uh, so for that reason i actually started to get kind of behind this game and i really wanted to buy it um and, and picked it up digitally as as a result even with the question marks over whether i would like their gameplay which is something we'll obviously talk about later on because i do actually have a few points on that but yeah, once once again, uh, Insomniac won me over with their their beautiful art design. Sure. I wasn't entirely sold on this game until reviews hit, and I think that, I want to say they hit at least a couple of days before the game actually came out, because and they were pretty decent. But up until then, um, that very first trailer that we had at I think the first E three after the Xbox One reveal, where it was just. Uh, it was just the main character like running through, you know, as he does in the game, running alongside walls and flipping along mm-hmm. uh, power lines and all that and shooting a OD in the head and has headshot all over his head and all that stuff. It looked okay and it, it didn't really grab me too much. And then there was that second show that you were talking about, Tony, where they were mocking cover-based shooters and then 
uh, he comes out and then he kind of explains to you what the game's about. And it seemed really obnoxious in a way mm-hmm. to me. And, and I was worried that that was going to permeate the entire experience. So I wasn't too sold until the release came out and everybody was uh, talking, uh, talking it up. So I ended up renting it. Um, and then I bought it again this week, uh, or actually I should say last week and played through it again. Um, so I played it all together for about 40 to 50 hours, I guess, in between two playthroughs. And, um, as far as history with Insomniac, I, I really only played, uh, Resistance 2 and 3, actually. I played a little bit of Spyro back in the day and a couple minutes of Kraken Time, but, um, neither of those series really appealed to me, so... Um, but I absolutely loved Resistance 3, and you can actually read a review of mine on Keenan Rince, which I put up there when we launched the site. So, yep. I'm going to start the campaign now to get the Resistance series covered by Keenan Rince. <laughs> I mean, I could have a hand in that, of course. But, sure, yeah. You know, maybe it might just be you and me, though. That's, that would be yeah. a lonely place. But it actually, <laughs> actually has to be said that um, you know, primarily before this change, um, in some of that games, obviously Fuse came out as a, mm. uh, a multi-platform mm-hmm. release. Before that, they were yeah. you know primarily just a a development house for Sony. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've always had their independence away that away from them, but it was still right, very much yeah. um, you know it was it was a I think Microsoft were kind of touting it as a fairly big get at that point sure. that they could yeah. get one of Sony's yeah. um, you know seen as almost internal brands away from them, even right, if it was yeah. a completely new IP. Um, and interesting to hear that obviously you know they wanted to keep the exclusive rights to the the IP rather than you know pushing it to a different development house. Well, I, I guess is Ratchet and Clank a Sony owned? Yeah, Sony. Owned yeah, I believe Sony yeah. do own that. Yeah, yeah and same as Resistance and same as Spyro. Right. So, so it, it was definitely an interesting move when when Microsoft brought Insomniac out on stage, and there, w- there was definitely um, a positive effect for Xbox One owners in doing that because. Like it or not, Microsoft does have that reputation of they do shooters, they do racing yeah. games, yeah. and they don't offer a whole lot of diversity, not a whole mm-hmm. lot of color um, and humor and that, that sort right, of easygoing yeah. style. So it was probably a smart well, move, you, but you, but they had to make some deals that Microsoft aren't really that keen on giving their rights over, as as I don't think anyone are. I mean, Nintendo are infamous for it, and and Sony as well, uh, mm. but. You know, they, they did what they had to do. It, it does make me laugh, though. They released it as a uh, a white console bundle. It's one of the most beautifully colourful and vibrant games yeah. I've ever seen. And <laughs> your white console. <laughs> um, anyways, let's let's move on to the game itself. Um, I'm, I'm going to rattle through just a story synopsis because I think that's probably all we need to do for the story. We will talk <laughs> about some sections of it. I'm sure some of the humour, etc. But this is mm. just a nice overall wraparound if you're unaware of what the story to Sunset Overdrive is. So the game is set in 2027, where a corrupt corporation known as Fizco has released a new energy drink called Delirium Overcharged XT, which turns everyone who drinks it into a mutant. You are dropped into the middle of it, and it's up to you to fix things by grinding on rails, bouncing on cars, and shooting mutants, commonly known as the OD, with a very big arsenal of weapons. Along the way, we will team up with a number of factions. Troop Procedo, who are a scout group. The Fargraphs, who are a group of LARPers. Uh, the Les Katrinas, a trio of cheerleaders. 
the game we're going to be talking about today is a bright, colourful, fast-paced, funfair ride of a shooter. But it wasn't always that way. Originally conceived as a gritty open-world survivor horror game, similar to DayZ, the initial... I know, right? Um, the initial... <laughs> but. The initial version of the game did not feature the diversional system or the unusual weapons, etc. But in 2013, Insomniac Games released Fuse, which was both a critical and commercial failure, mainly due to its lack of any real identity to separate it from the countless other shooters on the market. So Marcus Smith felt it was time to get back to their roots of developing unusual titles with lots of personality and vibrant colours. Um, we quite often talk... Yeah, we will go into detail about, um, uh, you know, histories of games and how they come about to be their final um, you know, star that we, we eventually get to play. And, you know, sometimes that's really interesting. Sometimes it's, you know, it's worth just a, you know, a passing to conversation. Here it's probably worth a passing conversation in which, you know, if you've played um, Sunset Overdrive to hear that it was, you know, a lot more kind of saturated in colour, more traditional, you know, shooter um, and not the, you know, the, I guess the, the kind of fairground ride that turned out to be the final product. It's hard mm. to see the, the its roots really to come yeah. through from one place to the next. But it makes no sense as an Insomniac game either. You know, this is mm -hmm. a company that, that with their Ratchet and Clank series have relied on both colour and interesting weapons. And mm -hmm. the one time that they sort of went to this cover-based gritty shooter, it turned out to be uh, pretty much an abomination in Fuse. So it's probably a smart choice yeah. <laughs> to change it up a bit. I haven't played Fuse. I don't know if anyone here has. I yeah. played a couple hours of it, and that's about as much as I could take. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It was just there. <laughs> like a, it was boring. You know? average. Yeah, Medic. it was just. It was just there. It was just totally, yeah, normal. There was nothing special about it. They tried to put. They tried to add in the that specialty <laughs> weapon thing that they do, but it wasn't yeah. enough to kind of get over. Uh, well, there the wasn't enough humor and levity in the game no, to sort of get away with, is... with those special weapons that that that, right. that that you know that's the core basis of the Ratchet and Clank games, and that's the one thing I really appreciate about them because whilst mm. I don't really like the way they play, I love the way they look and the originality yeah. of those weapons. Um, and of course, we saw that at this year's E3 when they showed their reboot once again. You had the fascinating mm -hmm. weapons yeah. and stuff, and you're like, "That's yeah. that's Insomniac. That's what we mm -hmm. picture." Yeah, it's it's in total contrast to how they revealed what ended up being Fuse when it was Overstrike, and it looked all cartoony and it looked all fun. <laughs> yeah. And then they just said they totally—I don't know why they did that, but it, they, uh, yeah. a developer chasing what it thinks the, the audience wants. I guess, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's that thing. I mean, when Insomniac reveals Ratchet and Clank for the first time, everyone had sort of stepped away from that genre and that color of game anyway. Right. Um, and and they released that, and they were a little bit worried. You know, who wouldn't be? That they were releasing something that was arguably Fun, five, five yeah. to ten years out of date from what we'd already had, um, right. <laughs> in terms of look and appearance with the Nintendo systems, and it turned out to be a smash hit. And they stood out for doing something different. Uh, and you know, it's almost like this time they caved. They tried to play it safe with their multi-format release. They didn't have the uh, independent um, advertising that that, that yeah. Sony will yeah. or, or Microsoft will really push at their their studio. If if it's one of their uh, exclusive titles, mm -hmm. and it just felt like Rust was just uh, not Rust uh, Fuse <laughs> was just the epitome of a game that seemed to just want to play it safe all the way, mm -hmm. and as a result, it felt like a safe title with a lot yeah. of bugs. Um, and uh, there's no doubt that definitely played on my mind coming into uh, Sunset. 
Um, mm. So when when they showed it with the bright colours and the fast movement uh, and and the obvious humour, right? Yeah. Arguably too much humour, a little you know forced, which <laughs> we will talk about because it is such a core element of that game. Yeah. I, that that's what sort of got me interested in this title again. Makes me wonder if Microsoft um, asked for or you know this game to be more in line with Insomniac's previous works because you know mm-hmm. it's quite interesting hearing that it's a, it was a gritty survival horror game beforehand. And Microsoft came in and said, "How about you make it how you how you make games?" You know, it's really interesting to hear that there's a, a, mm. a complete opposite switch from Overstructed Fuse. Mm. Um, but the, the game's style and aesthetic, it never like it looks really nice, but the the whole thing feels like a Microsoft advert. It's got that weird punky vibe to it, and <laughs> mm. it's all trying to be really too mm. trendy and hip and mm. trying to appeal to a very specific age group. And, you know, I, I, yeah. I really appreciate the visuals and, you know, when, when you shoot someone with a, t- a certain type of gun, like it'll say pop and boom and, you know, in their blood yeah. or whatever it is. And I really, really appreciate that. But the music and the attitude around it, just it just struck to me like Microsoft had an advert in mind once and then they just went, <laughs> look at this advert. Can you make Sunshine Overdrive like uh, this? Do, and they went, yeah, we can do, do that. Doing a bit more research around the, you know, the development of the title, it, it seems to me that, you know, I'm sure Microsoft had a hand in some of that, but it, it did seem to me as a company, they were just looking how, how can we actually distance ourselves completely mm-hmm. away from Fuse. And I think, you know, mm. you could argue where they go with Sunset Overdrive, they probably go to some of the outer limits of, of what's tolerable. Um, they probably push it too far. But I think a lot of that was done from the, the team just coming up with ideas, you know, um, you know, just brainstorming a lot and mm. seeing mm-hmm. what stuck and some stuff worked, some mm. stuff didn't. But it sounds like it's a very collaborative process between mm. everybody too to make something that was actually a million miles away from, from views and what they were originally creating. I, don't, I mean, I don't normally agree with like a first party, not first, but third party exclusive to consoles, you know, Bayonetta 2 and, the, and this game and other games of the similar ilk. I don't usually agree with it, but if it makes the game happen, then sure, let, let, you know, at least some of us can play it. Uh, but I, I do have the impression or the, the opinion that more gamers should be playing all the games. But it kind of feels mm-hmm. like this game was kind of, you know, the, the love child of Microsoft and Insomniac coming together because, like I said mm. earlier, it just feels like a Microsoft vibe game. It's so, like, the, the loading screen. <laughs> I get what you mean. <laughs> it's just so yeah. punky, but not punky enough to be, like, raw. It's kind of like <laughs> soft punk, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's like the kind of advertising you get from a, a room full of people wearing suits that have never, yeah, a bunch of know, dads. They've never been there. They've never, they've never smelt the, the authentic smells or heard the authentic. Uh, right. sounds but they're like yeah. this is what it should be like we've heard um, of the hives but we don't really yeah. know what they sound like <clears throat> i know let's let's make our own version of the hives and that'd be fine it, it is interesting <laughs> we'll talk about that kind of punky vibe that the music brings to it because i think that's yeah. where the main influence comes yeah. from definitely from the music but sure, to talk totally. about the music it's it's interesting that you know they they created all the music themselves. Like I think there was fourteen different artists that were involved mm-hmm. around creating. You know the vocals, the you know just you know not just. I feel like they could have quite easily just taken punk bands from different mm-hmm. from an yeah. era uh, and yeah. just slapped them in there, paid the license. Mm-hmm. I mean that would be a very Microsoft way, but um, you know they didn't. It feels like it was more crafted to to what they wanted from you know the game, certain you know tone, certain beat, and maybe like you say, Darren, a certain not as gritty as, as, you know, as punk should be, in which case mm-hmm. it, it feels somewhat disjointed because of that. Well, it feels like a creative uh, product. And th- mm-hmm. th- again, this, this goes right back to exactly what I see as the core principle of Insomniac is a studio that thrive on being creative and coming up with ideas and concepts 
and things mm. that are different that other studios either don't do or are afraid like the to go down that avenue. Rare in some respects, kind of a little bit. Yeah, just that kind of, well, we'll, yeah, <laughs> we'll make our own stuff. It won't be quite as crazy as those those cool kids and in the UK, but... <laughs> it, it's not like it's a completely unique experience either. It, it It's clearly influenced or has influences or is similar to other products. I mean, when I was playing it, I, I found the comparison to Jet Set Radio was so obvious, you know, heavy mm. with the grinding, the wall running, that... that you know the uh, cartoon style, not not so much in the cel shaded ilk, but definitely has that, that animated sort of look yeah. to it. And and with the way the music all interacted, it reminded me of something like uh, DMC, the Devil May Cry reboot. Mm. Um, that not in terms of its aggressiveness or the aggression, but in the fact that the music uh, played some part in the actual gameplay. You know, with the uh, a story turn, the lyrics would then be in the music or um, the way certain areas of the environment uh, fit with that, that style of song. Uh, that They were the two influences that when I was playing it, they were the two comparisons that mm. I kept making in my head, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, Jet Set Radio is a pretty great, great game and I, I pretty much adored DMC. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether I think that this is as good as either of them, we'll discuss. But uh, it's definitely not an it's strange because it has original aspects but it's not alienating enough in the way that it's completely unique mm-hmm. um, but I've, I've said countless times on this show we've, we've had numerous unique games that have been awful to play or uh too different and and to take influences from great titles is, is fine if you take the best bits and put your own spin on it and make yeah. it interesting and that, that's what i feel like insomniac did with this and then obviously they put their added it's, uh, artistic credit on it. It's funny you, you talk about um, it being somewhat like a, a very much scripted experience from what you know they want, but it's always weird to me when games allow me to play either as a female or a male character and create mm. my own character and <clears throat> that appears in all cutscenes, etc. Because I feel like my experience with my character, although you know the dialogue will be entirely same yeah. you know, across the board, like yeah. the design of my character might make that more either tolerable or kind of immature. If I'm, you know, a character that is <laughs> immature by nature, then that stuff may come a- across as a bit more kind of well, that's just childish. With my character, I kind of, I, I must admit, I kind of fell in love with her. I played the female character. Yeah, she's um, incredible. Like I can't imagine. I don't want. Actually, I don't physically want to see what your characters look like because that's not Sunset Overdrive <laughs> to me. <laughs> this yeah. this is a conversation. Yeah, you know, it's going slightly off off beat here, but listening back to the Mass Effect free show that you were on, Cole, and everybody was talking about male ship. And I'm like, they they, they are just talking, mm. like, rid- riddles to me. Like, who is this male ship? <laughs> I played as femme ship all the way. And, like, I didn't right. even, almost to the point where I was oblivious to the fact there was even an option for a male ship in that, in that series. It's kind of that far. And I feel like the character creations for Sunset Overdrive worked really well here um yeah. you've got two you've got two choices obviously male um who was voiced by yuri lafrau i'm gonna go with that so, uh, <laughs> Fall, um who has been in countless of games too many to actually list like uh, you know he's yeah. just go on to imdb or etc and 
it's a it's a gameography that is you know yeah and anime as with many one one uh, that I just picked video t- game things yeah it's uh, a lot a lot of anime and a lot of TV as well I mean he does the full gamut he does I mean really? it, the one I picked out because it's a, a series that I like he he does the voiceover for Disney Infinity um, which is like this really cool voiceover and I was like wow had no real but once again I didn't play that game that that guy um, primarily because and you can tell me if I was wrong or not if anyone here played the male character but primarily because I was actually turned off by the humour that I I saw in the trailers leading mm. up to this release and I thought yeah. that maybe um, a female as I found with Shepard was um, just kind of more to my speed I kind of like the kind of juxtaposition of being kind of a badass chick mm. more than a badass male it's just something I yeah. don't get to do in life um, either yeah, I played as a I played as a woman too, um, purely based on like, as a protest because um, at the time Assassin's Creed was getting uh, yeah, getting cast for not having women, and um, Insomniac put a character, a female character, wearing Assassin's Creed like gear oh, on a yeah. building with giant minigun. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's a wicked response that. to Assassin's Creed like yeah. lack of uh, female diversity. So you know what, I'm going to play as a female character in this game, and it's something I've been doing more and more often, and you know, obviously really enjoying it. And uh, to be honest, I, I found her quite attractive. Does that make me a bad person? <laughs> no, no, I was no, like, no. She, she, she's a nice looking lady. I'm going to play as that. Like, that looks I, great. I created a character. Um, I called her in the end Little Red Riding Hood because she she was a you know, a slim looking kind of cheeky female build type character. And I somehow settled on this kind of Red Riding Hood cape that you could get for her. Uh, and just sort of like little crop top and little crop top pants with uh, things. And she looked like a spitting image and it made me laugh every time I'd go through the environment, <laughs> killing things dressed in this red kind of superhero cape. Every time I tried a different outfit on, I was like, yeah, that's, that's not my character. I got really involved in mm. the way that she yeah. actually looked at this point. And, you know, I could, that, there was a funny scene back when the game was first released. Um, how far you could take this character um, creation kind of stuff in this game, which is, I was mm. running around this little, you know, you know, Red Riding Hood character with a great big male beard on her face. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it's a lot of people, it actually got a few retweets because I think people were generally surprised you could, you know, I, I know mm, we sure. live in a world of Saints Rose where, yeah, you can do just about anything, I guess. But um, it seemed a bit more restrained and more kind of funny in this than Saints Row. <laughs> Maybe it's just a bit mm. too far down the line. So anyway, yeah, you picked a, a female character, Darren. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All the way through, didn't even think about it. I think she wore like a blue jumpsuit all the way through. And then mm. when I started uh, hunting achievements, because I, you know, I played the game so much, she started changing her outfit. And I was like, that's not the person I know. <laughs> like, I don't know if she's got a proper name or not. It was just the, no, the person. She's just the player. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, I think actually yeah, she's I, called I Halo um, One actually quite often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She uh, she makes a joke about it later on in the story where she's like, somebody asked her like, well, I don't even know what your name is, and she's like, I don't know what it is either. I think it's just pops up over my head in multiplayer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, I ended up playing, um, I was a man on the first playthrough, just because that's just generally what I always do in any kind of character creation thing. Um, hmm. But the second time around this last week, I actually ended up making my fiance in the game, which was perfect. Like She ended up looking almost exactly like her in the face and uh, and it has a similar personality. It's not as, um, my fiance is not as insane as any of the characters right, in well, this game, but it's similar enough to where like the kind of jokey manner of, of speaking. Keep, keep that one second. Get that thought there one second. Carl, you played as mm-hmm. a... I played as a female. Um, See, this is weird. And, 
Okay. It, it's <laughs> I, I like playing as, as, the, as females in the game because you know for as long as I've been know, playing yeah. games, the majority <laughs> the majority of the games that I've played throughout my history, and I mean that is a lot of video games have been male. So it, sometimes it's quite refreshing. I don't always play as a female, but quite often I do. Um, mm. It has an interesting creator character in this, not yeah. so much in that. You know, we've we've seen more diverse creator characters where you can really manipulate the face and 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 whatnot to your own desires, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it has a sort of a set list of faces that you can choose. Yeah. And interestingly, this is this is at least that comes immediately to mind the only game that actually ever allowed me to play as an Indian female. Mm, yeah. um, and that, that I thought that was really cool. So I yeah, chose an, cool. an Indian female as my playthrough because I've never done that in a game. Uh, and I've been playing games for over 25 years. And that's the first time I've ever done that. And each face that was a, a default that you could choose all had some sense of character uh, or something interesting about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for, so for that reason, and much like Tony, I kind of fell in love with my character. And I see other people's screenshots, and I'm like, no, that's not right. That's <laughs> wrong. And I actually took quite a lot of screenshots uh, on my Xbox and had them uploaded to to my profile or Xbox DVR, etc. And um, yeah. Quite quite often, I took the opportunity to take screenshots because it, it, I thought it was different and I enjoyed it. And I thought my character looked great. Although I did struggle to go the full crazy wacky route with some of the outfits. I do like to keep <laughs> some sense of uh, real, realism in there. Right. Uh, yeah. So the point I want to get back to, uh, Sean, is that it's nice that you've got a, a position of seeing the game through both male and female eyes because mm. you know, looking around the internet, there's there definitely seems to be the people that played it. Um, via a, mar- ma- a male character and mm-hmm. actually found the humour to be less effective. Um, yeah. There seems to be a sense the female version was, you know, there's a bit of a bit more self-awareness maybe to... Um, hmm. Oh, now what's her name? Uh, Stephanie Lemelin. A bit more self-awareness to Stephanie Lemelin's um, voice that is, mm. isn't is isn't present in the male character. Now, I don't know. I haven't played it, even, you know, like I said, the male yeah. route. So... Yeah, you know, Informus is which one came across as better? Um, it'd be hard for me to to honestly pick because I played the female one so recent. I played the male one, you know, at launch, so it's hard for me to much to really remember much mm. of the male's performance. But I I do remember not thinking anything overly negative about his performance. But um, as far I mean, you guys all know the female's performance is incredible. She's she <laughs> nails like all the humor that that they go for. And she, I, in my opinion, my opinion, she never really goes over the top as much as the story might try to go over the top. She never, mm. she reaches just at the edge, but never goes too far. But from what I remember, the male performance is, is similar enough. I just mm, remember the female one much more now. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a more <clears throat> accredited uh, and experienced voice actor mm. um, in, in those roles. I mean, maybe, some of the listeners that listen to our show, his most famous role is probably Yosuke in the Persona games. Mm-hmm. Oh, in Persona 4. Oh. In Persona 4. Yeah, I know, right? Really? Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's a pretty big role. Um, but for me, I, I've seen quite a lot of the male playthrough. I've watched uh, Friends playthrough. I've played through a chunk of it. Not a whole lot, nowhere near as much as I did as my female character. And I didn't click with the humour. It's I, A lot of the humour in the game is quite forced. Uh, intentionally, yeah. intentionally forced. You know, it, it's written in such a manner, um, and and it's sort of the kind of humour where if it just sort of machine guns it at you, some of it will stick, some of it won't, some you'll love, some you'll hate. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I found it just grated on me a little bit more as the male character. So I was more comfortable playing with a female character, whether she delivered them better or not, but I definitely enjoyed it more as the female. Right, so let's talk about the visuals. We keep referencing them, so let's let's dig deeper into them. <laughs> the, the, the easiest way to describe the visuals of this game is bright, colourful. Um, it has a real vibe and palette to it, so, you know, blue skies... Um, mm-hmm. the the OD mutants themselves, when you shoot them, they bleed orange. So rather than this, you know, red pools of blood everywhere, you know, great, great big vibrant pools of orange are splashing across the screen. Um, its style is also, Carl, your reference, references earlier, if you do a good enough overkill on, on certain uh, OD that you'll get the big pop that comes above the head in you know, the bright yeah. orange um, <laughs> blood, essentially, over them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, big booms, you set off a nuclear weapon, you might get a, a boom that comes across from it. Um, mm. You know, the, the city itself is is a fairly large playscape um, with a lot going on. Um, yeah, so uh, visually, I, I think it's a, you know, it's... Yeah, it's not gonna be. Uh, yeah, it's not a 1080p masterpiece. Apparently, it runs at nine nine hundred p. But you know, it's. I think they were more more um, interested about keeping the frame rate at a, you know a level yeah. thirty frames per second. Um, having which I don't even know how they managed to do that. With some of the stuff it, going it, on screen, it's insane. It uses some really crazy sort of dynamic resolution changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can see where that. if you know what you're looking for. You can sort of see it happening uh, as it as it rolls out. You can actually see the changes, um, mm. but it's pretty subtle. Um, it it it's like, much like the uh, Call of Duty games, for example. It definitely rates its frame rate over its uh, critical resolution. Mm. So it it could have ran, you know, uh, ten but... five five to ten frames slower and and looked a little bit sharper. Mm. But the, the, like you said, the scale of the city is huge. The amount of times you can actually look right across. It's it's it does the old video game thing of splitting it into four sections, and you can sort of look over from say the bottom left quadrant into the top right quadrant mm-hmm. over the water, and, and mm. that's all very impressive. And it's got height. It has a huge amount of verticality. You can climb the buildings um, because you can yeah. wall run and, and hop and wall run up and, and whatnot. And it uses that to hide a lot, a lot of collectibles. Um, We're getting there. All right. But, <laughs> it, it, but again, it's you know, it's quite. It's quite interesting. It's an interesting city, but the, it, it does this strange thing that you are swarmed with so many enemies, and it's so fast-paced, and your movement is so quick and erratic that, for the most part, you don't ever get time to appreciate it because the most dangerous place is on the floor, mm-hmm. and yeah. this is the core design choices that you're almost never going to be on the ground, which, after years of playing games and third-person shooters in a certain way, that that's sort of what you want to fall to. You want to just sort of walk the streets and pile forwards with your machine gun and whatnot, yeah. uh, rather than jump up and, and sort of grind fences and then wall run and, and you know, leap an air dash onto an umbrella and whatnot. Um, and it has that quick-paced movement um, that, that becomes kind of addictive but awkward to get used to to begin with. Uh, so the, it, it does use some interesting and odd styles in, mm. in its representation, but... It just it does take a long time to get used to. It didn't. I always felt I was <clears throat> fighting the game, or at least at least for five hours. It's um, five to ten hours of gameplay. I was fighting that game. Visually, it, if you if you actually do play the game uh, the game on the ground. So if you were to run through the cityscape, um, you know, on street yeah. levels, there's a lot of cars that would be you know head head height. There's a lot of walkways and alleyways and passageways that you can come through. The city would be you know a real city. I mean, you could travel through it 
on foot and I guess play a, a first person shooter game or a third person shooter game like yeah, that. There's a sense yeah, of authenticity yeah, to it's, it. It is a playscape. Um, the, the tricks that it mm-hmm. does where it, it, you know, you barely ever do that, but it still feels very much like a city that, you know, you can appreciate as that, um, you know, yeah. there is a lot of cars there's a lot of buildings. There's a lot of height. Um, that plays a lot into the platform we're going on to next, but, um, I'm just surprised that, you know, it's, you know, I think some people may, may find the style just a bit too in your face, a bit over the top. Sure. But, yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm one of these people that, you know, this, you know, this game will stand the test of time. It will be one that you can, can come back to, you know, right at mm-hmm. the end of the Xbox one's life cycle and go, that's still a fine looking game because it, it's style is it style. It's visual presentation. Yeah. It's just that it's not trying to ape anything. It has a, a mm. uniqueness to its own. From a from yeah. a visual perspective, it's it it it's never there are unique areas to the city and un, unique models, um, but you you do see the repetition through. Yeah, but it always yeah. leaves its design and layout different. So no matter you know you can quickly by the end of the game you're quickly crossing between all four sections uh, without ever touching the ground, but you're seem to always be confident of where you are and where you're going because the layout is yeah, different see, and that you, is really you've interesting. You've got like a Chinatown, you've got like a harbour area, you've got more of a kind of industrial landscape area. They, they don't change massively between those things. I mean, obviously there's boats, etc. in a harbour area. There's more yeah. um, tower blocks in, in the city and there's more of a... Sounds like you're describing the crystal maze. Well, <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe. Um that would mean probably nothing to our American cousins. <laughs> but yeah, to this, Darren. this might sound weird, but I don't think the art style and the saturation of the, the colours match up with the architecture of the city. Now, it's really hard to pass in my head, but it seems to me like indoors, this game looks amazing because the, 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 the interiors and the people in those worlds, yeah. they kind of fit the art style. But as soon as you start looking at the architecture of the building, it doesn't feel like they should be bright orange and bright blue and bright green because the city looks quite realistic if you know what i mean it has that yeah it, mm. it's a sense city. of realism to the game mm. yeah. yeah i mean I, car, I just, you I just, are a human and the cars are real cars mm, yeah so like when you start putting these wacky cartoony characters in this realistic looking environment it kind of clashes for me but that's not to say i don't like it i just don't think they're perfectly married together so you know you do see these amazing bright visuals but when you start like when when you put bright orange on a cargo container, you think it just doesn't quite work for me. And then you just hmm. just you know, and I say it worked for me a hundred percent because this game does work for me. Don't get me wrong. But when you start like, grinding around the city and you do miss a load of it, it's quite easy to bypass the actual buildings themselves and go right. But when you do land and you see all the buildings, you're like this this doesn't match up with the the insomniac hmm. art style that I I really enjoy. And then when you see that giant man that, that youtube video of a man on the side of a building i just think th- that that completely pulled me out of the experience and i can see why they wanted to do that because it's 2014 and you know youtube's all the rage and they've got some guy who's probably a youtuber explaining the game to you but like that oh, was it's a super realistic human on on a screen inside a world <laughs> that has a cartoony character yeah, in a realistic TV. looking yeah. city right it's just yeah. really really jarring and and the mm. thing is it's almost like it's aware of it and it goes yeah, but we can do this because we're a video game, and it makes it very clear right, the whole yeah, time yeah. you are playing a video game. Yeah. It, it doesn't hide. No, this from is, that this fact. is where the uh, like it, it's weird. The, the jet set radio comparisons come in because I I think you know if you looked at Sunset City, you'd actually see if you if you had the jet set radio gameplay plugged into that city, a lot of the cityscape would make sense. Like there is 
areas that you could grind if you just take all the telegraph poles etc and put them down mm. as railings down below which there are plenty of like that would be a perfect city for something like jet set radio or tony Holt pro skater series like mm. it it feels like a real life place that that stuff could happily fit into but it doesn't have mm. the you know it wants you to be above the city so it, it's kind of separates right, itself right. a bit from that but it's not like um you know i would say another game similar to this is a bit like crackdown where you know it it doesn't have that superhero nature where you're picking up cars you know or if you know things are just like toys to play with or breaking down stuff it's like you can't do anything to, you can't alter the city at all it's just your playground to kind of skate around like i wish i was more eloquent in my talking of this but like watching it and playing it again recently i was just like you know what this felt like and it's quite interesting to hear tony say earlier that it was a gritty game turned you know cartoony because it does feel like the the core the actual core of the city feels mm. really realistic and you know at one point was a daisy survival sim in, in that world it's they just kind of put more <clears throat> kind of dark and cartoon edges to it and brighten up the color palette by 12 mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah i mean yeah. I, I personally quite i appreciated that world i'm probably not as negative on it as darren is and it's not that he's overly negative on it it's that when i had the rare moments to be able to stand on the ground and look around and see the scale of it all and you know, um that sense of believability because it, it does rely on a, a sense of believability with those areas regardless of the weapons you're using and the methods of which you can traverse around and bounce off bushes and and the like. Um, That I did enjoy, and I I remember thinking that I would like more time as I was playing it to appreciate these areas and move around, but you never can. The further you get in the the game, the more they throw at you. Yeah, Yeah. It, it, it never gets less, and the more skills and abilities that you get that would allow you to appreciate those areas have to be used purely to evade right the yeah. exploration of that city so in like when you're going around chinatown for example which is a great example because some of the intricate layouts between buildings and like across bridges and in alleyways and stuff and they're, they're all there but a lot of players will never get to visit them unless mm. they start doing the challenges because a lot of the challenges are actually based in those areas but again they're so frantic that you don't get that proper time to look around. Yeah. Um, that that was a bit of a shame because yeah. I wanted to see that city in more detail. And uh, unfortunately, that sort of came with the territory with the kind of game it is. However, right. in what it does do with the movement, it uses that city as a very good playground. You know, it has, it has the uh, relevant... Um, the verticality to be able to do it. So you've got like the handrails and then the next tier up, you've got uh, fences and then the next tier up, you've got the telephone poles and you know, you eventually you can work your way up there. You can swing on advertisement portions and then wall run and it allows you to get higher and higher up that environment. And that is a really cool thing because it's really quick. But my big issue with the controls were that two things seem to be missing. One one was a sense of speed when you start, and the second is the ability to get distance whilst you're in the air because you spend it in the air and you eventually unlock an air dash. We'll get onto that. But, but why they didn't allow you to put that in at the start is trust, ridiculous. Trust me, we'll get onto that. But one thing I will want to say about um, the the you know, visual size of things, it's not like um, Insomniac games have been pure. Like, I, I always go to you know Default, Ratchet & Clank, and you know playing those games, you know, they're, they're kind of very much just fun escapism escapism playgrounds of cartoon you know 
mayhem. It's you know, it's you know, no no real. They do have city like you know city structures and etc. But they're kind of on spaceports etc., um, mm. which are fun to play around. But it's it's not like they're they're devoid of doing realistic stuff. I mean, Rack, um, no, yeah. Resistance is is very much based in uh, kind of a more of a reality and a time period. Well, yeah, um, it's like literally based in cities in America. Yeah, so um, and it's the art style suited Resistance. Because the because the the environment you know was realistic as such, and you know, I, right. I don't want to sound so negative on my my viewpoint. It was just something that kept in the back of my head. I was like, why doesn't for me? Why doesn't this the, the, the world well, of this, I, I, and I, these buildings match and up? I, the yeah. And I tell you why, you know, well, not why, but you know, I tell you that, that there is points where actually I I think there's areas of the game that do match up with that. You know, if you actually go to mm-hmm. the, like the fairground park area mm-hmm. and you can get, jump on the roller coaster you know that that's probably more suit, suited to this style of gameplay and um, with those more kind of interesting set pieces or even jumping up on like the the railway lines etc high up above the city um i think there are there are moments where it has more of a kind of uh, ratchet and clank kind of fantasy feel to it but yeah the majority of stuff is more based in a, a reality if that's possible in a series like this how mm-hmm. about you you sean well uh are you guys familiar with um, trauma films like mm. the Toxic Avenger or mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen um, that. yeah, yeah? To me, that's kind of like what uh, Sunset Overdrive ends up being like a mix of Toxic Avenger and Pixar. So it's kind of like this weird, <laughs> really weird mix of like disgusting. Like the the actual OD themselves, or if you just, it's hard to get a good look at them because, as you guys have already said, you're yeah. constantly moving all the time. But if you do get a good look at them, they're pretty nasty to look at. <laughs> And, um, they're just a bunch of blisters, aren't they? Really? Exactly. Yeah, it's like, really gross, and, and, and they pop like them too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I think that also might be where Darren's having a little trouble because it's like you get like the Pixarish, cartoony, everything's all cute kind of character models, and then uh, contrast that with like the kind of grossness of uh, what you can do to these monsters. <laughs> and uh, I think that might throw people off a little bit. Hmm. I had I fun a similar with, feeling with um, Sorry, I, uh, I had a similar feeling, not as much as this, but with Splatoon as well. It's, it's kind mm. of like such a, such a realistic, <laughs> like, uh, you know, Tokyo kind of um, cityscape around you. But yeah. it's, it's Nintendo fight at the same time. It's very similar to that in my head. So the platforming is probably along with obviously the shooting of od is is going to be the thing that you do the most in this game mm-hmm. um it lays a massive emphasis on platforming so much so that actually i, I don't know about everybody here but i found it quite overwhelming to begin um mm-hmm. uh, it gives mm-hmm. you the tutorials that it thinks it needs um but the the stakes actually <laughs> ratchet hey up pretty um pretty hey. fast <laughs> um so it's platforming um, well, before you start saying anything about what they do, what do you guys feel about the actual tutorials to the platforming? Do you remember those at all? It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I th- I thought they were pretty funny, but I know like most of the time, it's just for those who uh, for listeners, it's just it's basically the voice of God comes out and screams at you, "Hello, player. This is how you're going to learn how to play the game." Yeah, breaking the fourth wall almost right, instantaneously. Yeah, so, yeah, I have no yeah. recollection of that whatsoever. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> wow. Um, I remember the uh, the opening sort of um, level where you're bouncing your way back home uh, right, when you yeah. find out what's mm-hmm. kicking off. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> the, 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 the overall control scheme for me, it reminded me very much of um, Mirror's Edge and not not in the fact that it's mm-hmm. one for one of a you know, control crossover, but in the fact that it's very unorthodox and it takes ages in terms of gameplay time to get used to it. And so it, um, it, 
Yeah, it, it, well, but it but it has the same effect that you feel fantastic when you get a grip on it yeah, and you're really exactly. flying yeah, across yeah. that city. Yeah. yeah, so when it clicks, it really clicks, and then you know you're an unstoppable boosting jumping machine. But it's the kind right. of game that you don't put down. It's it's one of those ones because you it has a unique control method to it that you don't want to walk away from it and then come back a week later yep. and go, what? Right? How? Yeah. How did mm-hmm. I ever? You press yeah. the X. So the easily describe you know to, to sum it up. There's we talked about the city already. There's grind places everywhere so it wants you the whole the whole purpose um of this game is or demontra of this game is to be about momentum um it wants the player to be constantly on the move it and it it's not joking if you stand on the ground and you try to take out the od their overwhelming numbers will just flood you and you will die very very quickly so it makes it very clear very fast that it wants you up in this up in the sky um, where the OD generally, they do as you get further in, but generally stay on the ground. So you have the, although they, they have the numbers, you have the height advantage. And that is something that you you would, you know, you normally you know come out as the, the victor through that scenario. But it's, yeah. so there's a lot of um, telephone cables. There's a lot of, um, if you are down on the ground, mm. there's a lot of barriers that you grind around. Um, there's some moves that if you find yourself on the side of buildings, you as you come towards the edge of the building, you hit X and you kind of swing the character around. You can do that almost indefinitely around buildings. It's something mm-hmm. it actually doesn't teach you for a quite a long time. It's yeah, something that, I, that one particularly yeah. teaches you about two thirds into the game, but expects yeah. you to be able to use it from the start. And right. it it grows up, you know, it grows quite complex. You you start off, and I think this is one of the problems of the game. And I think I've heard a, a number of people have their their kind of first you know um, touch with the game that you either want to persist with it. Or it turns you off. You just think, you know, this is too unusual for me. And you, and it kind of pushes you away because the tutorials are there, but it's unusual in its setup. And actually, there's a, a few abilities that they unlock later on in the game that make, you know, traversing the city an absolute joy um, that seem weird that they, they decide to actually lock away from the player. Now, the first one we'll yeah. talk about, and this, this is the same for everyone, is that at the start of the game, you can jump from uh, a telephone line. You'll have like a little hook that you can hang onto it either on or slide on it on your shoes or hang onto it underneath, do an undergrind. And you can jump from telephone line, telephone line, maybe bounce on a car that was acts like a trampoline, puts you back up in the air. And this game very much plays on what it's, it's, it's combo system. So the more, uh, basically the higher the combo, the better your weapons are, the easier it is to kill OD around you, the bigger the destruction that you have with these perks, which we'll get into. Um, so it wants you to constantly be on the move, you know, making a higher and higher combo, which is fine. But for about the first five hours, it's really hard to string together um, because mm. it, it misses this one ability, which is the air dash. The yeah. air dash is as simple as what it actually says. It's you press the right bumper uh, and it means you can travel <laughs> from maybe say a telephone line from one side of the street over to the telephone line on the other side of the street by just jumping off, hitting RB. It just puts you a little, you know, air dash in the middle of the air that you know pushes you forward maybe 10, 15 feet and it means that you can then continue to combo. This mm. completely transforms the game. Yeah. It goes from being <laughs> this awkward kind of I'm shooting things on the ground... I'm desperately trying to keep a combo going. I'm failing and I'm trying again. And I don't really understand how they want me to achieve all this thing. And it's like the magic wand is just yeah. you know, pushed it to the player and says, well, would this help? And damn right, does it help? It, it's the thing that actually, it's the glue that actually ties the whole system 
of this game together. Right, and it's yeah. baffling that it wasn't there from the very start. A prime example of how much you want to use AirDash is that once I unlocked it, which is I would probably halfway through mm-hmm. the game, mm-hmm. yeah, first third halfway through, um, before I'd finished the game, I broke the right bumper on one of my control pads. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how often I was pressing it. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say that that was necessarily the game breaking control pad more than my control pad was flawed, and this just happened to yeah, accentuate yeah. that and, and speed the process. But um, yeah, it, it's bizarre that it leaves that move out. Uh, there are other moves that you do have that you could maybe get later on that you'd utilize. But on 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 the topic of the uh, tutorial system that, that Sean mentioned, uh, you you start the game, you get to your house, much like the, any introduction to a game, it plays the credits, and then all of a sudden you get this voice from God, and it's teaching you, and the whole process lasts an age. In fact, at one point, the announcer goes, hold on, we're almost there. So it knows it's delivering way too much information, yeah. Yeah. and it's an overload of information because you finish it and you go, I can't really remember anything right. you just taught yeah. me. And there were times that maybe an hour, two hours into the game, I couldn't recall what I'd learned in the tutorial. Uh, it took me three goes to finally get going with this game. The first two turned out to be failed attempts. Um, where it, I just couldn't click. Yeah, I kept saying, you really should play it, ready for it. It's really rather good. And <laughs> it's one of those instances where we finally got it put on the podcast schedule and that was the motivation that I needed to finally get through it. And I'm glad mm. I did because um, Sunset Overdrive's uh, one of those games where if you stick with it, it does start to you know pay rewards. But it teaches you too much in a clumsy tutorial. Too much, but too little. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's a really strange way that they do stuff because they throw it in with uh, things called um, overdrives mm-hmm. and amps, which we'll have to talk about uh, just after. And uh, amongst that, and then the traversal and the shooting and why you're doing this, and then the collection yeah. things, and then the five different kinds of collectibles, I think it's five different kinds, that you collect throughout yeah. the game. Um, it's just a whole <clears throat> mess. But it's kind of and... arbitrary why they chose the air dash as the point to stop giving players information. Like they 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 got ninety five percent of the way through the whole control move set and went actually this last five percent let's leave it until about five <laughs> hours into yeah. the game. Yeah. And then they can it's have weird, otherwise they'll be really confused about how to play the game. You're like no, we're already confused. Just chuck it all at us at once yeah. and then we'll right, deal with it. Yeah. Apparently, it was actually um, one that was left as they wanted you actually to unlock it via the collectibles. The air dash. It should be a you know they, it wasn't even a, a move that you necessarily had to take in the original design up and you know, close to release it oh. was just an option that you could use as a you know as a perk to your character rather than you know, forced on you so you know thankfully it it at least got forced onto you halfway through the game even yeah. if it was uh you know not entirely i mean i mean the core principle of this whole game is the control method you know that mm. it, if you can't get those controls right or feeling sharp or moving with the character you're not going to click with it it's impossible but when it yeah. um and it's it's a prime example of how awkward the game can be. Is if someone comes around and you and they say, "Oh, that looks good. Can I have a go?" and you give them the controller and they mm. can't do anything, and then you're trying to explain <laughs> it to them yeah. and you go, um, <clears throat> "I can't when remember it... how you do that." And that means that the game gets to the point where it only clicks when you can subconsciously control that character. You can't explain God, it. You just I've do not got it. an issue with that. I think you know games should have the the ability to go deep down a, a mechanic, and you know you wouldn't necessarily give Dark Souls etc to somebody and go, "Well, you go. It's just easy for you to play." Off you go. It's all about learning. A th- you know, if the games that you actually 
take the time to learn are the ones that you actually, you know, you I, I tend to think is the ones that you kind of take with you and you remember because they're like, yeah, that was unique versus, you know, similarly control methods across many. But I have to say that when the platforming does click on this, it's pretty much unlike anything else out there. It's, you, know, you can go from, yeah, if it has that kind of feeling of Tony Hawk to me, like, you know, once you master it, you feel that every single object that is, you can see that, that grind, like you'd go back. I found myself when I was playing Tony Hawk, you, you look at a, you know, a curb and think, yeah, I could grind that. And I was doing that with the Sunset mm-hmm. Overdrive. Like, oh, I could run around that building. I had to be on that telephone line. Then I'll be over there. Mm-hmm. I'd go along that rooftop. I'd bounce off that car. And it, when it clicks Sunset Overdrive and it's momentum, it's not just, um, you know, a fluke, like, they, they get it right. So, you know, I can think of going from a telephone line, hitting a car, you know, bouncing into the air, then landing on a, uh, you know, a, like a, an, an air pad on top of a building, which moves me through. I'll be air dashing and there'll be a lake below me. You hit the lake and just before you hit the lake, you hit the X button, which allows you mm-hmm. then to do this like cool grind on the sea, which then if you jump up in the air, you press B at the same time you dive into the sea and just you drive in the sea, you press A and you fly out the sea about 600 feet. <laughs> and from there you air dash and you hear the next grind. It's, and you, instead of um, a lot of games, like this is a big city, but it's a lot of games I always find, right? Okay, well, where's the nearest point that I can walk from area to area? Quite often it takes just as long to walk from place to place and it will be just like, okay, I'm just going to move across the city, not really interact yeah. with the with the OD below because, you know, I'm up high and up until the end of the game, they don't really affect you and just find yourself playing around with mechanics of, you know, of fun actually of just mm-hmm. getting from A to B. I think there's yeah, a really, that, that's sort of what I was getting at, but saying that, you know, the only point that that comes is when the game becomes automatic, you know, at, at no point can you specifically go out of your way to do these things because it's too much information to take in. But at, at one point, like when you're running between buildings and you're doing stuff in mirror's edge, once it automatically mm-hmm. happens in your hands without you thinking yeah. about it, that's when it starts to shine. It just takes a long time in in sunset because it's because it basically pulls the air dash from you, and that completely for me at least until I got that killed any form of enjoyable traversal in that game. Um, it, it it wasn't fun. It does some really clever things with a UI though. It, it displays like um, circles on the on the screen to let you know where enemies are attacking if you're mm. grinding on a rail yeah. or a pole or something. And yeah. also, it, it displays a circle underneath your character when you're going from a high top down to onto a car. Like it will literally mm-hmm. tell you where you're going to land on the world below you. And right. so I feel like you know, and, and I don't remember a lot of people talking about it when the game was out like on podcasts and stuff. But it seems to do a really good job of letting the player know what's happening in front of them or beneath them at any one time. And that's what makes the traversal so satisfying. When I first hit the water and I started swimming, I was like, this is a bit drowning. <laughs> but then you, the, yeah. you realise you can, you can sort of grind on the crest of the wave or whatever. And it just, it just feels really, really cool. And, you know, as a, as a 30 year old man, it using does. the word cool is just like, you know, it's really stupid, but, <laughs> but the game does feel cool. Does. Yeah. It's that, that riding the water at speed is my second favourite animation in the entire game. And I can specifically mm-hmm. say it's my second favourite because my favourite is when you warp between areas. And that is where you <laughs> take a swig of alcohol drunk. and just yeah. collapse face first on the ground. <laughs> and it made me laugh every single time. I and then it... the, the, whole, the animation in this game, by the way, is yeah, it's real nice. It is absolute top tier quality animation. Mm-hmm. It's funny, actually, when you do die, 
they're they're quite funny with their respawn stuff. So like you know you might right, get drops yeah. from a UFO down to the ground, like face plant into the ground, yeah. <laughs> or you'll come out as a mummified version of yourself through a, a crypt. Yeah, you know, a number. Or you'll get <laughs> one of my favorite ones is that you'll see a speeding van run past and right. with a bunch of like robbers, and they just kick you out the back door and you roll down the yeah. road for half a mile. It's kind of like whoa. <laughs> I saw one. I saw one the last DeLorean. night that I hadn't seen. Yeah, I was just gonna say the DeLorean comes and drops you off, and then some Marty McFly lookalike jumps in the car and takes off. <laughs> That's crazy. It's yeah. so brilliant. The only one I didn't like was the one there when you reload the game and your character punches the screen. It never looks right, as good yeah. as what I imagined it would be, or maybe I saw in a preview yeah, in a preview trailer. I remember seeing it looking really good and thought that's a good effect. And then you get the game and, it, and she does it or he does it, and it's like, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it just sets the interface up, doesn't it? It sends the yeah. user interface up mm. with the the map, and it cracks the glass <clears> where the map is and, and whatnot. Yeah, and and it's it's a nice thing, but with the amount of death animations you've got, I would have quite liked a few different waking up animations. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm picking, you know, <clears throat> the animation's brilliant. You know, I do like games interacting with the screen as a physical object, like, uh, you know, Metroid Prime when you gas up or you steam up and yeah. you see facing yeah. the yeah. and stuff. I, I like it when games interact with the actual, you know, the, what you're viewing for you, because it makes, it makes you feel kind of part of it. But when she punches mm. or he punches the screen, I was like, oh, I kind of wanted that to, like, break my TV in half, you know, because <laughs> the character is really strong at times and, you know, can absolutely devastate the city. Uh, Laid on top of the... the- the platforming as as fun as it it may be and you know once again yeah a lot easier as the game goes forward we have the combat design um it's so hard to reteach someone's brain um on occasions if you've been playing years of games um if it's hard to actually grind around these environments picking out the places where you need to be at all times because going on the floor is a big no-no it's also equally as hard to actually be firing a weapon at the same time towards the ground it's hard um, at things um I don't know how they could necessarily make it any easier to start off with because once again, once you've been playing the game for a long time, it becomes second nature and you wondered why you ever struggled in the first place. But there is definitely that initial few hours where you're like, you want me to do what now? Like, you want me to kill (laughs) things as well as move about? And it's this horrible kind of like falling off, not understanding how things work, which weapon to use. Um, Mm. I found it quite a tricky thing to 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 balance for the first few hours i don't think i don't think it ever gets it absolutely perfect and to to emphasize this game is a third person shooter Mm -hmm. it it has a whole bunch of tricks that other third person shooters might not have but there is a lot of shooting uh (laughs) you know you can ultimately you can melee but you need to be shooting at the same time and you've got uh, eight different guns equipped at any one time you can equip more by removing another you hold the left bumper and you use a um, weapon wheel to choose mm-hmm. them. And if you're stood on the ground and you're just picking your weapons and it slightly slows down the action, yeah. um, you pick your weapon and then you go on. Not a problem. You add in trying to traverse <laughs> around a city, wall run, jump and grind. Pick, your weapon. pick a weapon whilst doing it and then using that weapon, you know, grinding to the left of the screen whilst aiming to the right to shoot. It is so weird. And the amount of times that you'll get on a wall because you to earn the high multipliers to get the extra skills and amps to trigger on those weapons, you need to be at least between two and the four times uh, multiplier of the yeah. uh, of the actual weapon, not the actual score multiplier, <clears throat> uh, because there's two, you know, just to confuse us even more. Um, 
you basically have to be grinding or bouncing or a mixture of all whilst doing it. And the amount of times you get on something and you're at the end of that grind section Just before you've even got the kill. So you're, yeah. pressing, you're pressing the button. So you're, you're going forwards and back on this fence for ages while shooting all the enemies below mm. you. It's kind of weird because it, that it's just kind of tricky until you get some weapons which have a larger area of impact such as you know rocket launchers or uh, the hair spray um, freeze whatever the hair spray gun which for me was was the weapon i enjoyed using the most in in the game but it's kind of weird because if you watch someone who's really well versed and really skilled in that game doing it it looks really interesting and good and then you try and do it yourself and you're like this is really difficult. Mm. It's, I mean, I, I, I respect the way that it doesn't just um, go to the player. You know what? Just drop down to the ground if you're having trouble. It, like it goes, it yeah. goes all in. It's like, well, yeah. this is how the game works. If you can't get your head around of it, then we're sorry. And Tough. yeah, it's kind of it's it's a brave move from a like a you know not necessarily it's not a new developer, but you know it's a it's a new IP. Yeah. Like it, it makes some decisions which would be counterintuitive to bring in uh, new customers to talk about this game. Hmm. Well, one thing I think that they that a good choice that they made with regards to all this is that there, the death is death isn't really a penalty mm-hmm. at all. And it starts you, or it responds you, yeah. like right next to where you died. So mm. it doesn't really slow anything down. In case, if you're having so much trouble, you'll eventually get through uh, whatever uh, trial you're going through at the time. But yeah, I never really 100% understood the combat. And yeah, as someone who's played a lot of Ratchet and Clank games, I understand that each weapon has its own unique kind of purpose. Mm. But because the the grinding and the bouncing and that was all so kind of overwhelming, even like after 15 hours, like it was so much of an attack <laughs> on my brain <laughs> that to, to actually a- accurately shoot and it, you don't really need to be accurate because it, again, no, it, kind of, it auto aims for you and displays a yeah. circle on the screen to, you know, let you know where you're going to end up uh, hitting. But mm. I ended up just getting through most of the combat situations just through brute force mm-hmm. of the TNT Teddy and yeah, the, um, the acid yeah. sprinklers. <laughs> if I, I just thought if I put enough of these down, a, a lot of things are going to yeah. die eventually and then I can move on to the next bit. And, you know, I, I, one thing that they really do a poor job of teaching you is that a lot of the weapons actually do have bonuses towards specific enemies. Yeah. So like mm. that very first shotgun you get, which is a very suggestive looking weapon. Um, it, it's really good for the OD, but it's not so much for the Fisco uh, robots mm-hmm. at the robots, end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but they never really tell you that you have to like dig into the overdrives and yeah, read you specifically have to about see it in the bottom yeah. corner. Yeah, it's, visual it's, representation. It's, yeah, it's poorly explained. And, you know, and again, the end the end result of that is that you've you've got basically four classes of enemies, which is kind of important to know. You've got the Fisco robots, you've got other people, you've got right. scabs. Uh, big, yeah. Big Fizco monsters and standard Fizco monsters, and they mm. they're basically your four core enemies. Uh, and each weapon will do more damage towards one with a star rating um, between one and four stars. Or is it one and five? I think it's one and four. Um, and the the problem is that once you learn that one gun is good against a certain kind of enemy, or at least in my case, I ended up restricting myself to four weapons. That's the one yeah. I use for the physical robots. That's the one I use for people. I, I, I think every true, game tries yeah. to, yo, we got a hundred weapons, and there's it, always yeah, something it that you go, yeah, so on, on these weapons. Yeah. yeah, and the only the only way I ever got to use the other weapons or learn the other weapons was when I targeted an achievement yeah. for right. getting yep. level five on all the weapons. Yeah. And sadly, that came at the end of the game, and then you realise that's a good weapon. That's a good weapon. I would like to use that more, <laughs> but you know. 
really want to replay the game. And my confusion also stems across the um, the amp system and the the other kind oh. of systems in the game as well. I, I knew they how they worked and how you boosted them up. So, you know that little lightning bolt in the top right corner. I know how you got yeah. it up. You know by doing your combos, but like the stuff that happens from around your body when you when you, when they're activated, I don't know what was going on. I just I just selected a bunch <laughs> of them. And went yeah okay if that hap- if that happens yeah. to benefit me then yeah, fine. You, you Otherwise, have three I'll just... sets of stuff. You have weapon amps. You have hero amps. You have epic amps. All this stuff oh, ties so into. Um, either the OD juice that you collect from you know, killing different things or the collectibles that are around the environment. Uh, by the way, all 859 collectibles that are through the environment. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that is some... I mean, you bring up the map. You buy um, you buy uh, collectible, basically, location maps with the mm-hmm. OD stuff that you unlock, um, yeah. which makes it at least you know tolerable to actually find this stuff. But if you actually bring up like a guide online of all the collectibles in just you know one easy to read form yeah. without having to buy those stuff it's just a massive dots it's just they're everywhere <laughs> yeah. now but like say you, you have weapon amps which can be obviously applied to your weapons um that if you take your weapon past a certain point it makes those weapons more effective you have hero amps which can be applied to your attacks which basically makes the ammo more effective and then you have epic amps mm-hmm. which basically buff you as the character so um for example it's all about getting that star meter up so if you do a big enough combo um you can have a amp um selected to your character that when you grind rails you have electricity that comes sparkling off those rails Mm. now if you're level Mm. two it doesn't do that or it might do that to a lesser degree if you're level one it doesn't do that at all so if you combine maybe an you know that yeah, electricity along with um, an amp for your gun which allows the you know the OD to be more sustainable to electricity attacks etc etc you can really actually cause complete chaos but the game does a terrible job of explaining this stuff this is the kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff like yeah. Carl said that if you're willing to put the time in to you know try to maybe achievement hunt or just you know do everything you want to do in the game this stuff comes to light but it, it's once again it's kind of like five or six hours deep into a game you're about halfway through the game at that point and it's kind of lost on the player it's an interesting system that is i think flawed in its presentation to the player yeah. and relied upon collect- and if you think if you think the amps are bad then the overdrives are worse mm-hmm. how they're explained to the yeah. player it all just seems insane to me it, it's high- it's half of the game's title, although that <laughs> lends more towards the drink, uh, the overdrive mm. drink, which causes the problem. But there's overdrives to the player as well, which is uh, increased well, you, uh, yeah. automatic rifle damage, increased rocket kind of damage. And there must be a good 30 of them. It never yeah, teaches it basically, you how to use it. It references them it and never teaches, and it's... So you to, you know, back to that thing like every enemy has its own you know weakness to certain things it, it basically allows you to target enemies um to a greater degree strangely though like it doesn't ever really come too much into play like sure you may have a yeah. one of the big od beasts that you know is more susceptible mm-hmm. to certain stuff but you're not going to come across that then go i'm just going to go into my overdrive system and make sure that i have the yeah, right one did. picked so this like no you're just going to actually put most of the ammo it's into too it. awkward um mm-hmm. it's too long-winded to change them yeah. uh, you can't do it in the middle of combat mm-hmm. um that, that whole system uh in how you apply the amps isn't too bad but the whole system in how you apply overdrives in particular well like yeah bad. To... i mean mm-hmm. that is just it, it, it it's you are 
it, it doesn't fit at all in the system of that but, game. But like the... uh, it's about three options deep inside a menu and a couple of scrolls, and yeah. then you scroll them <laughs> vertically through all the different options, and you're overwriting them, but then you can upgrade mm-hmm. them for, right. for the cost of, like like Tony said, you collect, say, 30 Badges. toilet rolls, or upload that one to the second level, and you... It's like, why is this even in the game? This yeah, should be automatic. It's, it's one of those things where, like, the, the game, well, the, I guess, you know, three quarters of the way through the game, you end up facing less OD and more Fisco robots. Um, mm, and the overdrive yeah. system in there plays into, well, I want to do more damage to Fisco robot, robots than I right. don't really care about the OD. And actually, that helps you tremendously take out those because it makes you more of a cleanly machine for, you know, metal rather than organic. But yeah, it's it's a system that isn't, is poorly explained. Not mm. really overly useful, um, and just yeah, confusing yeah. to the player. I'd be surprised that if they did an uh, if they ever did a Sunset Overdrive two, I'd be very surprised if they kept that system the same. Well, um, that system that, um, that would that would be the first thing that I'd draw reference to. Mm, there's, there's a lot of systems in this game, and it's quite surprising the game didn't implode on itself like halfway through. Yeah. And you just go, oh, just, I've had enough. <laughs> but like, on top of all this, you've got like a uh, a survival mm-hmm. game where you end up putting like traps down and. You know, oh, look, there's a second, yeah. there's yeah. Like a, a second layer of combat with like you know trap mechanics and stuff like that. That it's just like how does how do we get to the end of this game and not feel absolutely <laughs> exhausted by everything it's chucking yeah, at you? So it just seems like a, you know a bunch of it's like a, a game designed by committee, and it was like yeah, let's have well, this in there and that in there. And it's yeah. a game in itself, and it's a, a real. I think it's a real sticking point for some people because every time you, yeah. essentially, you got like four areas of the city, and every time you. You get into a different section of the city. It has what it's basically amounts to what they call chaos mode, which is you have a a vat of chaos juice, which is obviously the currency that you spend. Um, but the OD are very much you know they they like that stuff um, to the point where you can have weapons <laughs> which you can fire onto the ground, which makes it easy for you to kill them, etc. But um, yeah, so there, there's this big vat, and the idea is that as you work your way through the game, is you collect these you know traps as they call them. Um, Easiest way to describe, you can throw one on the ground and it's like a spinning propeller. So an OD comes running at it, obviously it chops him in half. Excellent. You then eventually get um, you know, turret traps, ones that you know fire multiple weapons. You've got like Pandora's box, which is a surprise in its own. It might do anything. You unlock more and more through these of the game, but it's it's a completely different game style. Um, much like mm-hmm. uh, Bioshock 2 has its kind of trial yeah, system that's a good where, reference yeah point. it would be yeah. like you know you need to defend this point very at odds with how the rest of the game is now i like that stuff in bioshock 2 and mm, i have to say at the start of this i was not a fan i found it of, of the chaos here it was kind of like i just want to get through this to push through to the next area i don't really understand how this works i'm just going to throw some traps down and do my best and hopefully kind of get through this in the skin of my teeth it's, I've heard it from many people yeah. that they really did not like this mode, but it's a mode that is primarily the multiplayer mode. And that's something I actually right. then spent, you know, retrospectively a lot of time in and yeah, um, got really good at it. And actually now really, really like the mode, but it, it's, a, it's yeah. a slow burner. Yeah. It's, it, it's yeah. Uh, in single player mode, I couldn't stand mm-hmm. it because it was just, it was too much. You had to go. Uh, too far like between each different trap to make sure okay are they they're all over here now okay now i gotta swing all the way to the other side of the of the base and cover this end you know blah blah blah, blah. but with uh, the multiplayer mode and you've got eight people and all their amps are going off and there's you know crazy od spraying everywhere it just looks insane and it's so yeah. much fun 
It's it's a complete, complete opposite. Well. Yeah, yeah. It's just the complete opposite of the single player version, yeah. where it's just you and and you have to do all this damage. Yeah, and there's more on more when you get areas eight people that can in there be and you further you get through into single player. Yeah, mode, so it's not just yeah. defend this one point. It could be defend three points. So you're going back forwards. Right. There, there is some cool stuff where you can um, link traps together. So you'll get a line from the trap that tells you if you hit yeah. one trap, it will set off X trap because it's connected together. So you could end up with this. Um, Flip them into like a, a fire trap that goes up. You could end up. I, I mean, I, I created a, a death zone at one point where I was just bouncing on one trap, <laughs> having everything connected together. And every time OD get anywhere uh, near, yeah. near it, it was just you know it would burn them alive. My my oh yeah, you know, my point was absolutely <laughs> perfectly protected. But that took like, you know half an hour of kind of planning gameplay, which is very count. You know, Carl talks about not being on the ground. This obviously allows you to set all your traps up. You can you can wander around yeah. your base for a good. You know, half an hour setting up the, these scenarios to get through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one one touch I did like about the multiplayer, and I actually quite like the multiplayer again. Like Sean, um, didn't enjoy those modes in the single player. Thankfully, I think it throws three at you. Yeah, four. I think it's maximum. four at the most. Yeah. Um, and and it's not a whole lot, and you earn you unlock the new amps through doing so. Right. Yeah. But when you're playing it on multiplayer, it's a lot of fun. But there are a little um, what look like photo booths mm-hmm. around the city. Um, mm. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. But if you walk around them and you get near, it actually says "friends online" and yeah. it gives you a number. And then, yeah. uh, if it could say like two or three, you could walk into it and then join a friend online. I thought that was a really subtle, um, a nice way to link the single player and the multiplayer <laughs> together. Uh, if you had friends playing, yeah. You, if you had friends playing, it was always zero for city. me. Yeah, unfortunately, was, I think I saw one once. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, that was more the nature of when I decided uh, to, to play. I, it, sure, yeah. We don't want to talk about multiplayer now because we are talking about it uh, in yeah. An organic fashion, mm-hmm. anyway. But it's the same thing. Yeah, Darren and me played uh, multiplayer together um, with a room mm. full of eight people um, because mm. we were <laughs> we were going for the achievements in the game, um, and that was one of the, about <laughs> the only way that you could um, get a lot of the achievements in this game is to have four rooms because the uh, the limits it put on the player trying to hit the score targets that it was after score requirements yeah. pretty high, um, so you needed everybody, <laughs> but. Generally, the people that were playing this game online were the people that obviously knew what they were doing and really liked it. And most of the people who had yeah. unlocked the, the late-end guns, etc., knew how to get mm-hmm. around the city. Mm-hmm. And like you say, Sean, there, yeah. Yeah. there's points in... You know, if the single player is crazy with the amount of OD they throw on screen, defending mm. traps in the multiplayer <laughs> whilst playing online with mm. eight people... Yeah, it's insane. insane. The, the only game that I can think recently that i've seen matches the amount of things on screen is actually dead rising free that carl and me have been playing together um mm. it's just insanity and there's you know there's all sorts of like firework you know ammunition yeah. going off there's a hairspray bomb which is creating bombs or whatever there's like mini nukes <laughs> going off there's you know people yeah. throwing stuff there's od flying flying across the screen upside down left and right uh all the t- time like flying things in the sky all the time eight people trying to defend these points with it. and no frame rate drops just just constant no, not at all. yeah that's the most impressive constant part 30 frames just... per second just running like no yep. seemingly when we were playing it no lag just yep yeah, no it was, this is happening no issue Technically, technically very incredible, professional, especially from a Absolutely. studio. Mm. Yeah. They're, they're not. I mean, obviously, the Resistance game had multiplayer, but their bread and butter, their core franchise, the franchise that Insomniac will always be linked with is Ratchet and Clank, which you know is single player first. Yeah. Um, for them to have such a solid multiplayer, uh, credit credit to them. You know, they, they've they've gone all out, and you know the the, the play might be awkward mm-hmm. uh, for some people, and they might not get on with it. The humor 
might not be for everyone's taste, but you know what? They've put their product out and they've tried to deliver to the best they can in every area, and the multiplayer is yeah. really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's thoroughly enjoyable. And more so, I last searched for a game in December, and I actually found a multiplayer game with seven other people in it. It's, it's one of those ones oh. where you know you, you have a development house that, oh, no, it's not possible. And then you could just, like, this is when you just put it in front of them and go, come on, look, look, all this stuff is going on. I don't seem to have any lag, and it runs at 30 frames per second. Yeah, mm. why? Why can't you achieve this? But, um, yes, yeah, mm. so I really enjoyed that. Now, one of the things we haven't talked about here is story or humor, <laughs> et cetera, <Yeah>. which <laughs> story is passable. It is what it is. It's a... a it's, yeah. It's daft. It's a, it's yeah, a daft it's comic. Really story. Silly, I mean, I think yeah. it, it's obviously a, you know, um, I'll say a parrot. It's always uh, talking about people drinking, you know, energy drinks, like they're going out of fashion just to continue their lives. You know, yeah. Um, Mm. And OD is one of those things where it, 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 in the collectibles, we have a correspondence later that actually describes this quite brilliantly. But it's um, you know in the collectibles, there's a lots of things about you know Fisco's is just a is a is a good company, but just you know starts to go off the rails as more and more yeah. of the suits realise the money's the being made, hungry, and yeah. yeah, eventually they turn you know produce a drink that you know turns everybody just utterly crazy <laughs> in their own lives. Um, yeah. it, it has to be said that you know the enemies aren't aren't really scary; they kind of just Daft. No, yeah. nah, just parodies yeah. all these different elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the story is kind There's of subtle you know, to it. subtly done, the the humour that the, is presented <laughs> to the player is, is certainly mm-hmm. not. Now, I've heard people really bounce off off the humour. If if the controls yeah. and the um, the combat weren't hard enough to get past, if the mm. humour doesn't stick, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, it can be just a, a perfect combo of well nope i played two hours and that's not for me and yeah i get that yeah and once again mm. i think the humor um gets better the further the game goes in yeah it's, it's weird it's like you know they try they start to try less hard as the game goes in mm-hmm. and it seems to be more natural a lot of people have criticized uh, i'm not sure they try less hard i think it continues and you um, just become more possibly. forgiving <laughs> stuff that doesn't stick with quite you quite possibly but there's there's a lot of fourth wall break and there's a lot of talking about you know outside <laughs> memes etc like neo gaff is is brought yeah, up, um, gaff, which is yeah, yeah weird um reddit, reddit twitter, twitter um, there's very much you know mm. a self aware that there's a couple of, I think, personally, I find, you know, some of the stuff funny, like you're climbing, first time you have to climb a really high building and you're working your way up, up and up and up. And there's a gap, which I'm almost certainly they don't want you to make the first time, but I didn't. And I fell down and I was like, oh, for God's sake. And the character just turned around. And she said uh, something like, oh, thank God, there's a checkpoint just before that jump. And it's like, and I spawned back <laughs> yeah. at that checkpoint. It's like, okay, yeah, like. Of course, the game knows exactly what we are. We are gamers, after all. Like, I don't want to have to do that again. Um, mm-hmm. But that, I think a lot of those moments are few and far between, and a lot more the kind of it's really obvious. So you have the um, the different clans or factions, I guess, within the game. Yeah. You have the yeah. was it the the Larpers, which you know, right? They were they were my but they're just a real like it's yeah, straight yeah. lace you know, sarcastic parody of those things. And it's and it maybe just tries too hard with being, you know, obvious about about yeah. LARPers. I mean I get the impression that if 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 I was someone who was into live action roleplay, I'd probably be a little mm-hmm. bit offended. Mm-hmm. But as someone that looks at LARP in a certain way, I find that quite funny. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe make it that what you will uh, about me. But I mean even I mean 
we say that it's a lot in your face and it does shotgun a lot of jokes at you, let, mm. let's be honest. And some did make me uh, giggle. Um, mm. I don't know if I laughed. I very rarely laugh at games in the same way that I don't cry at games. Which is weird because I'm. But there's you're just an emotionless. Well, no, because okay. when it comes when it when it comes to people and movies and books, I'm yeah. the complete opposite. Um, I'm you know really opposite end of that spectrum. But um, even the, the more subtle jokes like the uh, the Lapa who just says hardcore, <laughs> and he's hardcore, right, yeah. hardcore, and and it, he even as someone who's watched mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, that took <laughs> yeah, me a good hour yeah. to realise that it was actually a right. take on Hodor. Hodor yeah. Um, yeah, and he's hardcore. hardcore. He's a lovable fellow and as well. In the end, I thought, oh yeah, I kind of get that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really—he's the exact same thing. He's the gentle giant of the of the, la- mm-hmm. of the lapping guys. Um, and I thought that was pretty. Uh, there's there's pretty a great funny. scene as well. But it took an hour for me to guys where they're taking bases, you know, because they are a uh, well, I guess a take of kind of um, like sword and shield. Like <laughs> that's their thing. They're they're very yeah. much about kind of the uh, yeah. the Game of Thrones or you know. Lord right. of the Rings, and they, yeah. they basically take swords and shields. Yeah, they've got the jester. Yeah, yeah but they, got, they take swords and shields into a gunfight, and uh, yeah. like the leader gets shot straight away. <laughs> and yeah. uh, luckily, he's he's not killed, and he kind of just turns around, well, F this, and just throws away yeah. the swords. Give me a gun. Yeah. And they become just this ridiculous, overpowered, like, A-team <laughs> yeah. force that come through um, and uh, yeah. let you into his um, fairground ride. They they were behind one of my uh, standout moments in the entire game. Um, mm-hmm. When yeah. you're actually doing one of the um, battles, really, that, that I didn't like mm-hmm. in the single player, that was the one I liked because they actually had their musician. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, and the, the, the singing the song about <laughs> yeah. all the actions that <laughs> yeah. happen. And then I think two, you've got three stages, obviously, because it's a video game. Right. After the first two stages, he gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> and then the girl who clearly doesn't want to be a laugher <laughs> takes over, and yeah. her, metal, her music's far more mm-hmm. metal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and some of those lyrics actually did make me laugh. So mm. yeah, the game did make me laugh because I remember laughing at the lyrics in particular. Yeah. And that was pretty good because it's going on as you're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that I did like. I'm more I'm automatically charmed and sweetened by games that make um, fun of themselves and make me laugh yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Conker's yeah. Bad Fur Day. It's not necessarily a great playing game, but it's backed up with mm. some you know, wacky humour. And yeah, you know, mm. and it, it kind of they, they kind of remind me of one another. Like you know, they have their own weird mechanics and they're kind of bolstered by uh, you know their own kind of sense of humour. And yeah, I I can't remember much about any specific point in this game that made me laugh, but I remember just mm-hmm. all the way through just being kind of just chuckling at it and sometimes yeah. outright laughing at it. And uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate the humor. And I know it's not for everyone, but games mm-hmm. yeah. as a humor, um, you know, medium is is I, I guess it's really hard to do because you've got such yeah. a massive time frame to. Yeah, like put yeah. jokes in, and how do you pace yeah. a twenty-hour game with jokes? It must be really hard. And so many games take themselves mm. so overly serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. play everything so poor yeah. face that when a game doesn't, yes, some of the jokes don't hit. But you know what? It's trying, and it's it trying throwing yeah. them at you. And yeah, and I, I took the levity and the enjoyment of the jokes that did hit home over the mm-hmm. jokes that I would groan at. Because yeah. I was thinking, well, I'm not going to like them all. I go, you know, if I go and see a stand-up comedian, I might be uh, have tears in my eyes, laughing my head off, and be struggling to catch my breath. But he will tell jokes that don't make me laugh. Sure, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. You know like, yeah. What, yes. what it kind of reminded me of was um, Saints Row, mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. as gross and not as like offensive. You know, like the, the like the whole humor yeah. behind Sunset Overdrive is very silly, and and you know, very lighthearted. And I kind of appreciate that a lot more than I did really any of those Saints Row games, which is it's weird because they kind of both deliver their humor in the same ways. Like a lot of it's through cutscenes, um, but 
I don't know. It just it just felt more fun. It's, I guess it's weird because it, yeah, it's it's two di- two different takes on on that that humor. That, yeah, in, in but games it, it cuts close yeah. to the bone on occasions because you got the the troop Bushido, uh, which are basically the scout group, and its main leader is mm. a guy without legs. Um, and right, he, yeah. yeah, he goes around basically like he well eventually he creates like this mechanized bloody. <laughs> crab yeah, robot type thing, thing but you know he goes yeah. around basically in a in his wheelchair like you know just well, stop treating me as somebody that isn't able to you know continue this fight um you know in some mm-hmm. respects you could be like yeah. oh man he's like that i'm not too sure this is the game to to explore disabilities and, it, <laughs> and at times it tries yeah. and sometimes it's humor towards that is actually a little bit too crash but other times it's like well dude like it's you play as a, a guy that has no legs. Like that's actually, you know, mm. it's, it's trying to, to be a little bit more genuine on, on times. Yeah. And, it, and it's quite, it's quite funny about that as well, especially considering, you know, how he loses his legs because that's how he mm-hmm. produces them. He was crushed yeah. in a, in a, a rubbish mm-hmm. disposal lorry. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, the, the humor is very different between say the humor that the lap has delivered to those that the, uh, cheerleaders, Las Catarinas do, who look after sick kids. And then you've got the uh, scout troop, who are all about honour and and yeah, uh, a, the rights and, and being there for yeah, friends. Yeah, you have a guy that's stuff. trying to take over the basically the, 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 that main guy's um, position as scout leader, and uh, but he keeps making mistakes. Mm. Like it's an honour that you should <laughs> you should get to the top. But I thought the Lacatrinas were were actually an probably the most interesting characters in the game. Like they they had kind of this mm-hmm. well, you know. Who's looking after the the you know, the survivors of the city that are children, etc. You know, some of these people are sick. Like they need they need support. They need care. And once again, it felt kind of a, a, at times at odds with what you know some of the more kind of humorous aspects of the game. But it was you know they were interesting, diverse, diverse characters. Um, oh, you've got mm-hmm. the you've got the geeks and nerds as well. Yeah, I think the, probably uh, to me a lot of that that humor was less funny. That was a bit too kind of obvious. Like you know the the world has gone to ruin yet they're still too busy on their, their <clears throat> iphones etc like you know they're yeah. just well well let's not insult the people that are going to play the game they're, they're, they're very much about yeah they're there's they're all just doing their you know they're very very clever people they've gone to the top university mm. here but you know none of them are actually plugged into the 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 things that are happening around them but uh yeah they create essentially the uh the things they help you escape in the end so yeah there are mm. little, little mini stories in each quest um, but it's never important that you get to learn those characters, and it, it never pretends that it is. Uh, it's just a vehicle to continue more quests sure, and progress yeah. through the game. It sounds like we're actually good. okay with the humour, which... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I was all right. mo- mostly I am. I mean, I I did, there were some serious groans and disappointments yeah. at some of the jokes that fell hugely flat for me. Mm. Um, but like I said, I took I took the ones that did make me giggle. Uh, they They put this game out knowing that it wasn't going to make mm-hmm. everyone laugh. Yeah. So, you know, t- take it for what it is. Enjoy the ones that I, do. The, the, the thing is, and yeah, here's spoilers, right? Um, but one that I will never, ever forget one of the endings of this game, uh, because there is kind of two. But um, the moment that you jump onto uh, basically a bottle of uh, OC, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a giant, giant bottle. Yeah. Um, no way to describe it. So a huge bottle of this kind of fizzy juice, and you sit on it like uh, you're a cow, or in my case, a cowgirl, and you smash the bottom of the bottom, which is the thing that flies you up towards the back end of the game, um, while going mm. yee-haw and kicking the side of the yeah. bottle as you fly. 
uh, I tell you what, I my face was lit up like a child. I, when I recorded yeah. that scene <laughs> two so or three good. times, I played that scene a couple of times just to watch it over and over again. Mm-hmm. I played it before the show because it was one of those ones like, that's a great way to end the game. And then the credits roll and, well, maybe I'll let you get there if you haven't got there before. <laughs> so um, did anyone here play the DLC? There was there was a fa- there was a nope. fair few people. I mean, th- th- this game was yeah in a t- typical AAA release in 2014, full of micro transactions, but not in a, a terrible way of yo. This is how you get better for the game. More there's mm. a load of weapons and there's a load of costumes etc. Which are only a set, you know, accessible if you wish to give a small donation. It's like a Patreon for but for a game, um, which. Yeah, I guess you like this game. But, um, a lot of that stuff could be annoyed because it, it doesn't give you anything. But it, they did actually come right, out with yeah. two big pieces of DLC. Um, by big, I mean about three hours, maybe four hours each each piece. So you know, a sizable, sizable investment. Sizable, big. Um, I had this season pass, so this wasn't such a big deal for me but i think they actually came out as a fairly high price I, i'm thinking like around seven or eight seven, quid it yeah it's, it's yeah, I think it's 10 yeah, bucks a piece seemed relatively here. high um even if it was you know a, a mini mini game in itself um mm-hmm. so i'm the only one here that, that played this stuff um so I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown there you have the mystery of the moil rig which is set on uh, outside of the main play area. It's on a uh, an oil rig out in the sea that you wouldn't never bother going to. Um, and uh, yeah, you're on a great big oil rig factory, which is you know superb for grinding because obviously there's pipes everywhere for an oil rig. Um, and on that, there's a a guy that uh, yeah, needs your help and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Story wise, nothing particularly interesting in there, but it does finish up with a fantastic boss fight, which is this great um, sea kraken creature that is basically trying to engulf the entirety of the oil rig that you have to grind around and kill. It's um, hmm. pretty good, pretty spectacular, and probably hmm. worth price of entry um, just for one of the hmm. more interesting bosses of the game. How yeah. do they explain the oil rig's appearance? Because the the actual city is quite secluded, isn't it? It's quite because if you hit the boundaries, you get the um the, the you know the fall, fall breaking invisible wall. Invisible, invisible wall. Yeah. So how do they explain the mystery of a oil uh, rig? Th- is it is it part of the yeah, story? Yeah, I think or? it's uh, I can't remember that the guy whose mother has come to town and she's always berating him. Um, but hmm. yeah, her his mother is then caught on the oil rig uh, for whatever reason. It's not really explained. It's just. There's a new area for you, for you to play. Mm. I think there is a, a one or two throwaway lines about it, but it's it's been a while. Mm. Um, you you mentioning the boss fight here mm-hmm. um, reminds me that this game, the boss fights in this game, were all actually a ton of fun, in my opinion. The, they they always kind of um, played on aspects of you building up everything that you've learned up until that moment. Yeah. So like, there's that big boss fight against the giant Fisco uh, floating mascot. mascot. Yeah. Yeah. Fizzy. Fizzy. Yeah. Fizzy. Who swears yeah. at you constantly. And, uh, <laughs> the whole time, yeah. 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 And that was a lot <laughs> no, of fun because it, it, it involved you doing a lot of the bouncing up and down on those giant electronic drums to to knock him out. And then you got to spin around on the on the rings around yeah, top it's to actually shoot quite difficult. at his eyes. I fell down a, a few times. Yeah. 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 And I thought that was a lot of fun. And they, they did that uh, repeatedly throughout the game. And I thought all the boss fights were, were pretty well mm. done. And I remember that the, the fizzy... But, yeah, battle in particular because it is you know the fourth wall break and it's like why the hell would someone put a you know a flashing red 
you know. Right. Yeah. Things that people <laughs> yeah. The only like, reason what? people put power cords is so you can kill yeah. the power cord. Why would you do this? <laughs> why? I, why would I have a power cord? <laughs> that? But I mean, the, 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 in in regards to Fizzy, he he actually has a couple does, of good yeah. moments. Um, particularly like the one where you're carrying his his head <laughs> around point uh, to point, something like that, and, he, yeah. and he becomes and he becomes completely self-aware of the problems that he's causing. He's like, just throw me in the sea, yeah. please. The, the sad music. It's very, pulled, very yeah, it's referencing yeah, portal, basically blank, being a point yeah. blank on, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, riding on that as it is. Yeah. Um, anyway, the other piece of DLC was called Dawn of the Rise of the Fallen Machine, and uh, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> this was actually released on April the first. Um, Features a rather brilliant achievement that when you actually beat this piece of DLC, it gives you one one point, so one one gamer score. Oh God! And uh, it, it sounds like uh, you know, sucks to be you or something like that. And then uh, <laughs> immediately after, it gives you a hundred ninety nine gamer score and goes April Fools, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is I always like that oh, stuff combined into it. But the this is actually quite a, a good piece of story DLC. So it, it talks a lot more about the whole Fisco kind of the robots taking over the factory like a, you know yeah, the things that have been sent to clean up this mess you know any no human's going to put them or nobody is going to admit to this crisis so they send their robots in and it's kind of about the you know the robots almost becoming sentient and taking power and kind of seeing the city as their own playground and you know they have no respect for fisco or anybody else by the end of it they're just um yeah just kind of it's all you know there's there's references to 2001 space obviously etc so it, it doesn't you know, ease off that stuff at all. But it does actually feature some more gameplay mechanics which you, you wouldn't have played in the main game, which is one which is actually turning yourself into a great big like ball and you can bounce around the city while killing things. It's it's weird <laughs> and it's it's kind of fun. That's exactly what yeah, I thought was exactly. Missing. Um but it's, <laughs> it's odd there's a whole new gameplay mechanic that they save for a piece of DLC. Um probably Less, I, it certainly didn't enjoy it because I think that fighting the the robots are, is is slightly less fun anyway. Um, they're a harder foe; yeah. they tend to shoot you more with guns, um, which actually makes quite hard to get past them. Um, but it's you know, I'm, I've seen the season pass on on sale now for you know pittance as the word we could say here. So it's you know if if you've got time, if you've enjoyed the game, and I know you guys, none of you guys have played it, uh, any other stuff, mm. it's probably actually worth picking up. Now that um, yeah, it'll be cheap in a sale at some point, just to kind of refamiliarise yourself with the game. Um, right, we have one piece of correspondence for this game, which is once again, I'd love to. It's it's like the iTunes rating system. I don't I don't know how this works, but you know, I, this is a new game. I would have expected a number of people to be you know very much on it, or maybe the sale figures show that actually no. you know not huge no. amounts of people picked up and played mm-hmm. it. Um, but you know, for this we had one piece of correspondence, and that was on the forum, which is always fantastic. Um, so uh, I think Carl says he would like to read this one. So I'm going to pass it over to Carl. Carl, go away. This is from Deadpool Negative. Sunset Overdrive was a game that I was definitely looking forward to. I'm a longtime fan of the Ratchet and Clank series. Insomniac Games titles uh, have slightly more personality than the average AAA release, even the weaker titles. In fact. To signal my jump into the next console generation, I bought the white Xbox One bundle with the game. Sunset Overdrive was overall a fun experience, but I also have mixed feelings about it. The game world was bright and colourful, which stood in marked contrast to so many other games these days, but oftentimes I found the humour somewhat strained. The phrase trying too hard was bandied about a bit from some reviewers, but I take it with a different tack. 
but the game wasn't trying hard enough to come up with really creative jokes. The humour flowed too often from references. At one point, the heroine re references NeoGaf for crying out loud. I don't have too much of an issue with reference humour or meta jokes in principle, because God knows I've used it enough. But since I've used it so much, or it came from the ridiculousness of the character, who are unimaginative stereotypes, the shy nerds, the comic book guys, the, the rich idiots, the weirdo scouts, the insufferably obnoxious lappers, only the Day of the Dead style cheerleaders had an extra dimension to them. The best jokes in the game come from the backstory, from the collectibles telling the story of how Fisco developed Overcharge, and how the making of the drinks spun out of control and destroyed Sunset City. Unlike missions based on Breaking Bad and Reddit, there's a strand of corporate satire with real teeth. Thankfully, Sunset Overdrive isn't just jokes, but a fun game and a fun world to play. At first, I had trouble grasping the gameplay of only bouncing in the air and on rails to really pull off the combat. It can be frustrating when you find yourself on the ground or instinctively planting yourself there and finding your weapons just aren't as effective as when you're in the air or on the rails, simply because. Also, there are no enemies that, that fight the player on their own terms, which really feels like a bit of a missed opportunity. However, I began to see the appeal of going whole hog on the those combatants below me. Being forced to scramble all over the place, shooting at the enemies below forces the player to come up with some crazy tactics on the fly, and when you get a good rhythm going, the results can be amazing. For example, when I reached a massive final battle before the last boss fight, it was pure chaos, as I slid and bounced from one end of the area to the other, switching up weapons that would do the most damage to certain enemy types, and watching the carnage unfold below. The best way to describe it is momentum. Once you've got it, you're in for a swell ride. Of course, the combat is probably helped by the amazing variety of weapons that Insomniac has provided for this game. My only gripe is that they take too long to level up, so many of them are creative and cause havoc, just like in Ratchet & Clank. Guns that shoot bowling balls, fireworks, a gun called the TNT Teddy. Guess what that does? And my personal favourite, a foam sword that's been duct-taped duct up. The power-up situation is not quite as good as the weapon situation. I often found that the badges and buffs earned by grabbing overdrive drinks and other collectibles to be somewhat negligible, and the crafting system did not interest me. The game makes great hay of it, but I really could not be bothered. All that sliding and bouncing make traversing the world a lot more fun than usual. For once, I didn't groan when I had to go across the map to a new area because I could hop, skip and jump, grabbing a generous amount of well-placed collectibles along the way. It would have been nice if there were more than these songs on the soundtrack, though. A brief word about the voice acting. I know some people were really put off by the smug, irritating male character uh, in the trailers and some gameplay played by the normally reliable Yuri Lowenthal. However, Stephanie Lemelin's essaying of the female character, she's just as snarky but seems nicer and more sympathetic to the characters and situations. If you try playing as her, it will be more tolerable. I struggled for a while to articulate my thoughts on this game. It certainly fit a good enough bill as a Microsoft exclusive, even though it's not quite as unique as it seemingly wanted to be. There's a lot to love, yet a lot to dislike as well. It can be really aggravating when the joke doesn't land or a combat sequence doesn't quite pull off right, but in the end, the good outweighs the bad. It's not a patch on Insomniac's best, but it's still a good reminder of why they're one of my favourites. It's unlikely a sequel will be on the horizon given that the sales were not very good. I think maybe the phrase trying too hard applies to the Martian as well as it seemed more about how in your face and different the game was from most of what else was out there as opposed to the actual gameplay. If you're on the fence about Sunset Overdrive, however, I'd say give it a go. At least it won't be boring. Mm. Well, thank you, Deadpool Negative. Brilliantly summing up what's taken us two hours to ourselves. 
Um, isn't that always the way? <laughs> we had one free word review. I think some of this may be that we've changed our recording schedule to a weekend. But anyway. Um, yeah, maybe. It was from Matt Fantastic. He said, game has style. So thank you, Matt. Fantastic. That's good of you to partake. That's yeah, fantastic. You, you are the one. <laughs> um, so summary. Um, Darren, would you recommend this game? Oh, it's hard to not recommend it because it's just one of a kind. You know, if if you were looking for a game that's exactly like Sunset Overdrive, <laughs> where else are you going to go? <laughs> like, that's the game it is. And it, it wears its heart on its sleeve. It goes, this is what I am. If you don't like it, sorry, but go away. And it just doesn't care that, the, you know, you might not get on with it for the first few hours or five hours or ten hours. It knows, well, it kind of knows what it is. It doesn't, it doesn't. It knows exactly what it is, but at the same time, it throws so many mechanics at you that you kind of think, well, what kind of game is it? It's it's a, it's like they had one shot to make a Sunset Overdrive and knowing that they were never going to make a two, so they <laughs> just put all the ideas in a bag and then just created the game without letting any go for a sequel. So it's really overwhelming. It is manic. It is, it is ridiculous. It's funny. It's, it's not funny. It's It's kind of everything and nothing at the same time it's it's a weird game uh but i really enjoyed it um but not for the reasons i thought i would i thought i was going to go in enjoying the combat as a ratchet and clank fan but i ended up enjoying the traversal more so uh you know to the point where i, I got all the collectibles in the game apart from ones that i thought were a joke so you've got the, the regular collectibles like the the toilet rolls and the um the line and all those bits and bobs but i thought the eavesdropping and the the other kind of other collectibles were a joke. I thought they were just taking the mickey out of Assassin's Creed, but no, they were actually <laughs> collectibles in the world. I just thought, oh, right, I'll never, never, never come across them. Graffiti and eavesdropping and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I enjoyed the traversal so much that I did end up getting most of the collectibles. You know, there was a, I said a few that I missed, but yeah, the game surprised me. Um, I was expecting a Ratchet and Clank-like, but what I ended up getting was something completely different. And like I say, I can't not recommend it because there's nothing else like it. So yeah, give it a go. Like the um, the, the forum contributor said, Deadpool negative. It won't be boring. <laughs> um, Carl? Early in the show, I compared it to Devil May Cry and Jet Set Radio. And for me, that that's still the two games that it reminds me of the most. Uh, in one regard, it, it controls a lot better than Jet Set Radio does now, but it's not as culturally relevant because Jet Set Radio had a foundation that made it stand out at that time. And in terms of how it mixes its combat with its music and aggression and style, it doesn't match what DMC did. It does fall somewhere between the two, and that's not to say that it's bad. I actually quite like what it did, but I don't think it... in any department that ever stands out as spectacular. You know, certain elements of it are certainly better. The weapons are interesting, but are they any more interesting than the weapons we've already seen in the Ratchet and Clank games? No. I enjoyed Sunset City a lot. Is it the best city I've ever experienced in the game? No, definitely not. <laughs> the controls, they're really solid. It's really quick and so on and so forth. You know, it's there is a lot to like in this game. And as Darren said, it throws so much at you. Um, not just in terms of the humour, in terms of the collectibles, in terms of the weapons, in terms of the places that you can go, the side quests, the challenges, the multiplayer. Uh, I think maybe if there's if it 
they'd eased off a little bit and had a bit more focus in these areas it could have been a bit more polished but for the price that you can get this game for now and for the experience that it'll give you it's definitely worth playing because it's a game that to watch someone play it is very different to that same experience but when you're playing it because it's how the game feels mm. with you inputting YouTube. the controls yeah, and that's yeah. when it shines Just long play youtube stuff won't yeah, do it justice I mean, exactly there mm. are a lot of people that, that adore let's plays you know, it's not my kind of thing but i've got a cousin for example she does it constantly she watches let's plays and she loves them i don't think that would ever give a fair representation of this because this is all about your interaction in that mm -hmm. world and doing stuff and in that regard that's where the game shines for me um artistically i i will always adore when insomniac try and be creative because we sadly in video games we are in a point where we still see games or publishers and certainly developers unwilling to take the risk to be original uh, to stand out to be different from games in the same genre that will sell uh you know third person uh, shooters they, they sell a lot they're super popular but they don't look like this they don't control like this so credit to insomniac for doing that any any developer that's ever going to do that will always get praise from me i would definitely recommend giving it a go uh, if it doesn't click with you that's sort of where the problem lies i can't guarantee that the game will uh, be something that you like but i can guarantee that there are elements of this game that are unlike others that you will have played so for that yeah well done insomniac uh sure sunset overdrive uh ended up being one of the best surprises for me in this generation i um i went into it expecting a really obnoxious game and in some ways, I got what I expected. It's uh, Sunset Overdrive can be pretty obnoxious, but but Insomniac kind of owns up to it. Like they they never pretend to be serious or pretend to be um, uh, pretentious or anything. It's always just very it's very silly and and uh, and just having fun. And that's kind of like what the, you know. We didn't mention much of the soundtrack, but it's all punk and hardcore. And that's you know, punk and hardcore can be really obnoxious too, but it's all about being genuine and I feel like Insomniac's intentions with this game were totally genuine. You know, they wanted you to have fun throughout the whole time. And that's how I came away from Sunset Overdrive. I just ended up having so much fun um, pretty much from start to finish. I agree that, you know, with you guys that the controls can be a little bit of a struggle at first, but man, once you get it all, once you get all the chains going and uh, all the shooting and, and all the traversal and it all ends up being just a, great time and we didn't mention much about the quest structure either because really ultimately all the quests are just fetch mm -hmm. quests um but they made the actual act of fetching fun you know it's not just walking to the next objective and holding down forward and a to run you know it's you're jumping onto this thing you're climbing on this thing you're grinding on this thing you know to get to this to the spot where you have to fetch something but the actual traversal and getting there to and from is was I thought it was a lot yes, of fun. There's so. actually a great scene where she uh, they give you a, a quest to go and fetch them, and she goes and she goes, yeah, 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 adi, 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 adi. Just put the quest marker on the map. It's like, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, again, that's another example of them just totally owning up to it. Like we know that this that this is what you're expecting, and and but you know we're trying to make it more fun for you to actually do these things. So I really appreciate that about the game, and I I, I kind of hope that they at least put out a PC version so that more people get a chance to play this because 
I have a feeling that um, Sunset Overdrive's popularity, or lack thereof, uh, is kind of a victim of when it came out. You know, it came out when uh, Xbox was still uh, trying to recover, mm-hmm. I feel, from their initial, uh, you know, the problems that they had with launching the console. And so most people just didn't have one at the time that Sunset Overdrive came out. So I hope they put out, you know, I would hope a sequel will come out. I doubt it'll ever happen, but at least if they put a PC version out there, maybe it'll attract some more attention to the IP yeah, and, and Insomniac can maybe come back to it at some point. But, you know, we'll or see. Maybe push a game, maybe push a games with gold. Really? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great uh, too. Yeah, they've, they've done a the sequel. They've actually sequel. had this game. Like, if you're willing to download the the forty or gig or whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. you, you could you could play it for free yeah, yeah, for a, for away, like a whole it? weekend and yeah. you lock off time. And oh stuff right, like that. yeah, they had a weekend. Yeah, yeah. which if, I suppose if you're eager, you could probably complete the whole game. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I guess that was a recommend. Um, yeah, so I was the one that put this down as a, a show to happen. Um, we shy away from new new releases and it's weird to say this this game was 2014 and we're in 2016 so it sounds like it is actually quite a long time ago but it's you know for cane and rinse it's a relatively new release um i wanted to talk about it because i thought it was different from from the norm you know there's a a lot of games that uh by the committee and actually quite often cane and rinse won't generally cover that stuff not that we're afraid to it's just merely you know they're the less interesting ones and you know boy we have 1300 games on our list that we need to get through so why necessarily cover the ones that just follow you know the same old same old and that's what stands out about sunset overdrive for me it's a triple a game release that actually doesn't follow a mold um instead of it being a committee of people designing the game it feels very much like a development house having fun with designing the game that they want to make and if you want to come along for the ride then you best learn the controls which they've been you know messing around with for the last two years so they're masters and savants at it and yeah maybe it takes a little bit of learning but yeah that's up to you mm. and it's weird that it, it all falls into a, uh, a an xbox one release structure where that very much wasn't the case of the you know the developer at the time or the the studio at the time it seemed very much about you know by committee so you have this odd game that fits within their portfolio um i really liked it i mean i wouldn't have put 50 hours into something that i didn't genuinely enjoy and (laughs) i think the humor can be off-putting i think the combat certainly can be and i think you know not spending time with the game to learn its its mechanics is a problem but um i think once you you master those those things and you have those moments where both the you know the humor the combat the traversal of the city come together is actually pretty unique in the word that we don't like to use because you know but it it's it has a real personality to itself and um mm. yeah it's, it's it was definitely one of my favorite games from that year um and i i yeah. definitely recommend it i think it's good genuinely just good fun and from a you know a triple a budget you know um standpoint and there's a lot of fun interesting indie releases that you know try this stuff but it's interesting to see somebody that were given the millions to create something beyond that uh, and just go wild so i thoroughly enjoyed it so that was sunset overdrive um next time on cane and rinse in a uh, volume five issue 207 we frame out combos with street fighter zero alpha series 